Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Eric uh, is busy. He's doing something. I don't know. I don't know what he's uh, Every once in a while, can't do the show. Uh, he, pr- he probably lost. He probably lost. He, he won a bunch. No, now he lost. And I did well. So, of course, he's not going to show up when I do well. So, uh, to, to replace him, brought, brought on a uh, good friend. Good friend, I guess, in the industry. Josh Engelman Absolutely. from awesomeo.com, formerly uh, from uh, the DFS subreddit. Uh, good old days. Good, the good old days. Uh once once you've moderated uh the DFS subreddit, like you must have like like nerves of steel. Like nothing nothing could tilt you as far as like questions and comments and anything. Cause I, I check in every so often. Uh because mm. I, I read it. I'm like, let's see what people I, I don't respond typically. And uh it used to be a lot more conspiracy stuff that was fun. Uh now the conversation is a, a little a little bit better, but a, a lot of it is like I feel like it's 2013 there. Uh so, so obviously, you know, being involved in subreddit, you know, pretty much got you the kind of the job at, at Awesome O. Uh, yeah, 100%. How, 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 is, how, is, how is that transition as far as, like, because I consider, uh, I mean, I know I know I work for Roto-Grinders. Yeah. Uh, and, hey, and every site does great content. But uh, I, 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 like, I, I like the stuff when you re- do the NBA strategy show. When you do the li- the NFL lineup review show, when when you happen to be on, I know Alex was on yeah. this pat this past week. Uh, I, I tapped out once basketball started. Ah, but I mean, just just your general approach to to just playing DFS in general is very uh, is smart. It is how it good players play, but is also you do it in a way that's much. I think you do it in a much more accessible way than than I do it. Like I, I think we both say I think we both say the same things, but I, I think I'm, maybe I'm a little like New York blunty kind of like this is what it is, and if you don't get it, you're just fucking stupid. Uh, but 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 I I mean I, I appreciate the content that you put out, and it's it's so much better than going on DFS subreddit. Well. Yeah, it's I appreciate yours as well. It's good to I just I feel like I'm disingenuous if I'm trying to talk about like my picks, so to speak, even, uh, you know, the contenders videos that I put out, that's just basically like a cash list. Nobody seems to recognize that generally speaking, but it's here are the highest projected players point per dollar. There you go. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So yeah, it's trying to get, if I I had sort of the same experience, uh, so I was in banking a little bit before and just getting like one person to get it actually felt pretty good. But the amount that don't that, starts to wear on you a little bit from time to time. And I think more and more people are starting to get it. And I, that's helpful. It's probably bad for me in general, just playing in DFS, but it's good for me as a person that puts out content. I want people to understand, like, I'm not trying to steer you in any particular direction. This is just what I have. The best that I can do is show it to you. Right, but you see you see from doing your content. I mean, my, my attitude is, is that, yes, I appreciate the 5% of people that get it. And those 5% of people hopefully are not in my contests. Right or don't eventually come to, to kill me, but yeah. I mean I could I could do it till I'm blue in the face that 95 percent of the people are, are still still don't get it that I I feel like in in the overall ecosystem that I'm I'm doing I'm 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 plus EV content wise because obviously content stuff brings you recurring revenue especially when swings and GPPs are ridiculous so yeah. to me it, it feels like whatever edge I'm giving away to the five percent of people that end up getting it and 
taking away some of the edge in my contests is still worth it. I'm, I'm getting it back by, you know, selling the masterclass and getting paid from roto grinders or whatever. And it's not like major money, but it's the type of thing where if you go on a thirty, forty thousand dollar downswing, it's like, well, like, well, my bills are being paid. I mean, like, I'm getting a income coming in that that like I don't have to dip out of my bankroll like ever to to, right. to pay for stuff. No, absolutely. Uh, it's it's weird. I never I never saw this coming. Like, I, you know, we we started talking about Reddit. Speaking of Reddit, by the way, I'm banned. Not allowed there. Not allowed to post. <laughs> Why are you banned? Don't did know. you did you say something bad about bathrobe? No, uh, love bathrobe, love bathrobe. Great guy. Um, no, so like it was probably. How did you get know, banned? Time. You were the moderator. But I never was a mod. Never. Oh, but you mod. were like the main. Like I remember back in the day, like you, you were the one pushing a lot of the the conversation. I was posting my basketball projections as early as 2014 there, and that was a very welcomed activity to have free NBA projections. That just. It was sort of that easy. Um, I, time messes with me now because of COVID. I can't remember how long ago this was, but it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two years ago. Uh, I just got an email from the Reddit mod or whatever that said I was banned from the subreddit. I was like, well, that's interesting. I haven't uh, been there in a hot minute. I'm not posting actively. Nothing like that. I uh, found out that it was because I recommended everybody that was watching our show enter the yahoo like zero management fee contest i was like this should be the first thing that you guys are doing there's no rake on this contest it's just incredible and people were like he's telling us to get into this contest and he's not in it and i was just like i don't care about oh, oh i remember right that i remember that thread oh i remember so and, I, they, and they they showed your screenshot <laughs> they only had like three dollars in your account yeah or i was something. like yeah because i'm not playing on there i'm not it doesn't make what i'm saying not true but i'm just not playing on yahoo it's still a great contest to enter. Any rake-free contest is going to be probably the best contest you're going to be able to get in on that particular day. So Oreo, who was working with Dave at Fantasy Cruncher at the beginning, I don't know what that relationship is like now, was still listed as a moderator on the subreddit. So I just sent him a DM like, hey, can you unban me? And he did. And I hopped right back in. I was like, thought I was banned, folks. Started posting a little bit. They asked me again, and I haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what what is your take on that? I mean, because the overall sentiment is that, like, whenever whenever I'm on a show, like, what, what happened yesterday, for instance, like, like they have me scheduled at Roto Grinders. I do the like the pre lock show for for the mm-hmm. showdown on Monday nights, but then I, I'm also like this month on the Grinders Live show for NBA, and it's like almost back to back. I mean, there's an like an hour in between. But the thing is, is that in NBA, on an eleven game NBA slate, like I'm going to be on a show from seven in the pre, obviously the pre warm up, you know, that set up everything seven twenty to like eight twenty. Yeah. So like, how how the hell am I going to be on a show and then change? Like, who knows? Jimmy Butler's out. This thing happens. So like, I'm not, not playing. Fun. I'm not playing NBA. But to me, I I th- I I'm I'm not a big fan of people that that do content that aren't that don't play. And we know we know that there's a ton of people like that. Uh, there are, but I always make it a point when I'm on when that happens to like let people like like I am not pl- I am not playing tonight. I'm giving you the inf- what this is what I would do, but you're more than welcome to take anything that I say and just throw it out the window because I have no financial 
interest in what sure. I'm saying. But I mean, the, from the internal perspective, I'm I'm saying anything that I would normally say. But I never want to give the appearance that like, like oh, I'm telling you to do this, and you know, from a strategy perspective, and then you see like nothing like that. But I mean, we also get in the industry, especially if you're a max enterer or at least multi enterer. Uh, I mean, the misunderstanding of like, like saying that I, I, I'm not going to play much of someone doesn't mean that you don't like, like, it's like, oh, you said that this guy was a bad play yet you, you, you came in first place and that guy was in your lineup. And it's like, yeah, he was in three of 150 of like, like, yeah. like I was significantly, like he was 32% owned and he happened to be in three of my lineups. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you didn't, you said you didn't like the guy. It's like, well, he projected well enough for that lineup to show up in that lineup. But like from overall perspective, like you put it in, in the NBA strategy show and I'm not a big, I'm truthfully, I'm not, I understand what you're doing, but I'm not a big fan of how you put it because okay. it, it focuses too much on exposures. Like when you say, like, I get what you're saying. Adam gets what you're saying. Any good player gets what you're saying. When you say that your guy is projected for 24 points at 3,800, I'm getting him in 23% of my lineups. I'll probably be, uh, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, uh whatever percent on. I'll probably have more than the field. Like you're, you're just, all you're expressing is like whether a guy, whether a guy at his projection and his range of outcomes is under or over owned. And the right. more over owned they are, the less you're going to get of them. And the more under owned you are, the more likely you'll get them. It doesn't mean you're Xing them out. doesn't mean you're locking them in, yeah. but the the problem I have is that people that that don't understand that 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 underowned overowned concept that it's not about like if a guy is twenty percent owned do you play forty percent of him do you play ten percent like people focus yeah. too much on what exposures do I put in and like like I'm not I'm not necessarily putting in exposures I just yeah, know that I, I won't know are you right that's exactly what I'm saying like sometimes you just don't know. and sometimes you see you're getting too much of someone and you're like I want to be more diversified. So I'm going to play them in less lineups or you want to be, you're just like, if, Hey, if I'm going to have uh, you know, 87% of a guy and then have like a guy that's overowned in like a couple of lineups and maybe like on this slate, I'm just going to go all in on this guy. Like, but to me, those are diversification questions, not strategy questions. And I think people confuse the two. Oh, uh, I think they most confuse the two. And yeah, I'm mostly just looking at my script. I, I know what is likely to show up when all is said and done. Just from seeing my projections, the current ownership, and if I run like a pre-show crunch or a sim, whatever we want to call it in this particular sense, I'll just kind of know what's going to be there and what's not going to be there. You get used to seeing it. And I'm that, it actually makes me think that I should probably be a little bit more specific in the way that I describe the things that I'm talking about. Cause I, I, I think that I'm probably kind of bad at trying to say whatever it is that I mean when I'm staring at my own spreadsheet. That's why I, I miss the days. It's good on the process show in the morning. I miss the days of me just always sharing my spreadsheet. That made it easier for me to show people what I meant, but that is not a day anymore. And you don't say, and why don't you show people your spreadsheet? Cause it's too but, good to well, show. The well, no. One, the, the production of our show has just changed to, uh, you know, being the two heads on the screen. When I was sharing it, oh, there was a decent chunk of time where I was live on the prep to lock six to seven 
overlaid on top of my screen with just everything that I had. So everybody saw everything that I did. They saw me updating the spreadsheet. They saw all the data that would be on the spreadsheet. They saw me copying my lineups out of my Excel workbook, pasting them into the CSV and uploading them. I loved that. It doesn't necessarily make for like a great show from a production standpoint to get to the masses, but I think it's really good for the core audience. Right. But, but that's, I mean, that's who you're trying to appeal to. But I think, sure. I think the, the problem comes in is that, that concepts in DFS don't have like, there's no, there's no yes or no. There's no, nah. there's no concrete answers. So like I find it easier and I know it, it may frustrate people to put things in more likely, less likely term, like in that it sounds wishy-washy, but that's yeah. the proper way to present it. So that's why, like, using the terms, I prefer using the terms over-owned, under-owned. Like, is this player in individually, as in a vacuum, under-owned or, or over-owned for their projection? And does that mean you don't play them in a lot? No, they fit in. They could fit in plenty of lineups. Uh, but not talking in terms of over the field and under the field, because then we get into the the what settings do I put into the optimizer to print money <laughs> stuff? I mean, you laugh at that, but that's but that's like how many uniques are you using? It's like, well, that's a diverse. Like to me, the the big the the biggest gulf between people that that are trying to now uh, move their play towards like a tool based approach, where they're using an optimizer, they're using simulations, they're even if they're just using the the data that like Osimo has or RG has, or, you know, they're using that and then try to build lineups that way is that, like I said before, there's a difference between strategy and diversification. And the reason why, like if you have 150 lineups and I go through results DB and I know that uh, FC has lineup rewind that you could go through and go like, there are certain 150 maxers that play a very high variant style that, they, they're more likely to have like five players at like 70 plus percent own and then rotate a whole bunch of others. And then there are other guys that have much more balanced. Yeah. That's not, a, but that what people don't understand is that like, that's not a strategy difference. That's a diversification mm -hmm. difference. Just that they're going, whatever the difference that of between the better plays and the worser plays, they're just kind of going, you know, like just, just going more all in, like on yesterday's showdown slate, I, I did the show and I said, said uh, I'm I, I'm playing 16 lineups. I'm playing zero Debo Samuel. Now, obviously, I got no money back because Debo Samuel <laughs> went nuts. Uh, but to me, that was a diversification. That's not that's that I believe he's the most overrun player on the slate, and I'm only playing 16 lineups, so I could choose to have him in four out of 60. I could do that, yeah. but it's showdown, so I'm like, I'm just gonna I'm. I've, I'm decided I'm only, I'm playing $675 in play. So it's not 2000 or anything. Right. Uh, I'm just going to just, I'm going to just X them out. I'm going to X out Kittle also. You see, see how bad that I did, right? Cause yeah. I played a ton of the Rams. Uh, but that well to me, but, but to me, like the, the, uh, the original thing of the strategic decision of Debo Samuel is overowned, but he obviously could show up in some lineups yeah. is different than, Debo Samuel's overowned, so I'm in, I'm going to focus more on the underowned players in all of my lineups and be non-diversified. Like that is not a strategic decision; that's just a risk tolerance decision. Like yeah. you could play Debo Samuel plus EV lineups. It's just I chose not to 
Right. Out of 16. You'd, yeah, I have five hundred lineups to choose from, and I can only play 16. I'm going to choose the 16 non-Debo Samuel lineups. But do you do you think that— And there's, and there's going to be a lot of them to choose from, too. Right, well, of and, course. And but but do you people think, think but, that there's like five real lineups and then everything else is terrible too, which right. is insane. But do you like, think no, do you, do you think that focusing so much on those terms of like over the field, under the field, get get away it makes people think that we're talking a lot about exposure settings and optimizer yeah. settings when you really should be looking at like here's a nine player lineup and how many good lineups can you make? Maybe you could make three thousand of them. And you look at all 3,000 and go, I don't mind playing 150 out of any of these. Right. But, I mean, I could play all 150 with one guy, the, the same guy in it. But I'm going to have more lineups with the good plays in it. But there's going to be just as many plus EV lineups that don't have those guys. It's just a matter of which 150 I choose. Putting it in those terms, I think, makes it easy. I say it makes it easier. I think it explains the concept better. But then it creates the questions from people of like, well, now that I have my three thousand lineups, which one fifty do I play? And people, and a lot of people don't don't like my answer of uh, whichever ones you want. <laughs> right? It's you know what is how many fantasy points is that lineup projected for in comparison to the most that you can have, and how owned is that lineup in relationship to the rest of your lineups? There should be some sort of trade off as you work your way down the fantasy projection list to give back some of that ownership what that trade-off is for you personally, and not mean you personally, but like you as the general person, what that trade-off is to you might be a little different. Some people might want to be significantly more contrarian than others, but you have to make some sort of trade-off to give up fantasy points to try to be slightly more unique. I don't think people are ever thinking about looking at their lineup and then comparing it to whatever the actual maximum can be and thinking like, okay, well, I'm giving up 27 NBA points here. Is this going to be, is this still a good lineup? It's like, well, maybe how owned is it now? Nobody's looking like, the and then also, and also, also, Josh, what, con so what contest is it in? You right, tell me exactly. that that, that is, a lineup is typically in NBA, right? Contest? Right, right. I'm playing or a single entry, a hundred person uh, single entry GPP. I have 27 points off the optimal. You're probably not playing a good lineup for that contest. No, can it win? Sure. Is that going to win a lot? Probably not. <laughs> but in a large field thing. You could have lineups that of different variance types. Yeah. So, for instance, like when people ask, because now that I preach the whole, I mean, exactly, literally exactly what you said. You could sac as if you're sacrificing projection, you have to gain something from it. Yep. And then people ask, well, how much should I be? And it's like, well, that's a, on a slate to slate basis. And it, it's on a contest to contest basis. And you there are lineups that are like, you don't like if if you were to build lineups, for instance, that were five points off optimal, and you built 150 of them. You're probably going to have a lot of the same players in them because to only be five points off, it's you're going to be sharing a lot of lineups. So those lineups probably have uh, some win equity, but more min cash equity. Now you could play plenty of those lineups, but there are probably there are lineups. That are that you give up twenty points in projection that you look at and go, this lineup is like a first or last type of lineup, so it it either wins or it comes re really low. Uh, if you play a hundred and fifty of those types of lineups, expect your swings to be gigantic. So most people, that's where it comes in the strategy versus diversification of yeah. 
you're going to play 150. Maybe you don't play all 150 that are like, like essentially like single entry ish, 5,000 person field lineups in a large field contest. Cause it's like, I feel good about all of these lineups. It's like, no, I want to feel good about, I want to feel like, like good, like in that, like I'm playing good players type of thing for maybe a third of my lineups. And I, and a third of my lineups, I want to look at and go, these are the lineups where I'm, I'm looking at those 50 going, uh, I'm totally expected to get zero back from these, but I'm going to play these types of lineups, every type of slate. But some people don't mind playing all 150 of those types of lineups. And then yeah, some people it, it, are like, they don't want to play anything other than the 150 of that they feel good about. And then they, what ends up happening is that they, you know, four months go down the road and they're asking you like, it seems like I'm doing well, but I can never come in the top 10. And I'm like, yeah, cause you're probably playing too many kind of safe-ish lineups yep. and you're not playing enough risky lineups. And then I have the other people that are like, uh, I've been playing for three weeks and I like, I've gotten back, like I've lost 90% on like every single slate. And then they send me their CSVs and I look at their lineups and I go, geez, this is risky. I mean, like you're, you're playing 60% of some 1.5% owned guy that I probably played a ton of also, but like not to that extent. And I just have to tell, I just have to tell her, it's like, you're not playing bad lineups. You're just playing extremely high variance lineups. And I hope you're only pl playing a very small percentage of your bankroll per slate because you could easily go broke playing this way. But you're not playing bad. But neither, no, but neither person is playing badly, right. which is a different diverse, right. different type of diversification. I'm, it, even the people that are just like, I haven't won in four days. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. Well, those people uh, you just have to tell that they're dead. Weeks, four months. Like, Come on. trust me, that, that amount of time will get bigger. I promise you that. I love the the green screen can there showing up as clear straight through the back. I yeah, why not? That. Canada Dry. Why not? I miss my green screen, man. I really do. How do you put I up with the, the people? How do you put up with the people that say I haven't won in four days? <sighs> Show them a screenshot of the swings is probably the easiest way to do it. People probably don't believe that it's the case. You just try to explain to them just the simple math of it. Like, okay, if 20% of this field pays out, <laughs> How often do you think you should be in the money if you're average? I mean, most people think the answer should be like 75%. Uh, they are quite a bit off. Um, right. Well, it's 20%. Yeah, if, it's one out of yeah, five. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Hello. <laughs> exactly. So that's how frequently you should expect to see money back on that if you're just simply average. And if you're asking me this question, you're probably not average. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, if, if this was, I mean, even in cash games, Four days is not, sure. I mean, four days is not enough. But if you tell me in four months that you've, uh, you have a 20% win rate in cash games, I'd say yeah. like the sample, the, the sample talk. size you need to show how bad you are at cash games doesn't have to be that long. But in GPPs, like, dude, if you're a good, if you're a good DFS player, you should have, I, I, and I tell this to people, you should, you should get to a point at least, probably at least once a year, maybe, maybe on average once a year where you're, you're, you're. You've been playing. You 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 seem like you're doing. You're you're playing fine, and you're losing. And you just have to consider that the last five years of your DSS career, you just happened to get lucky. <laughs> like you're just sitting there going, maybe yep. I've never been good at this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it happens to everybody. It probably happens to everybody more than once in a given year, for sure. Uh, it all depends. And sometimes you just need to be. It's the the order of the way that things happen. So uh, obviously, previous guests on this show, uh, Ship My Money, Adam and I talk all the time. We do shows together. Uh, Adam hit an NBA slate for 100K. 
early, you know, first week of the season, second week of the season. That changes the entire way you play NBA for the rest of the year emotionally. You can, you, like, if you hit that in February and haven't had it before that, I assume your January is incredibly depressing. It just wears on you after day after day after day. When you get that out of the way early, you feel amazing. You don't feel like... I won a GPP on the first day of the baseball season in either like 18, I guess it was probably 2018. I felt like I was playing with house money for six months. It was fantastic. You don't hit the, you don't wake up, you wake up, you look at your phone, you see if you want any money. On the days you lose in those situations, you don't feel bad at all. Now we're a month into the NBA season and I'm already looking at my phone the next morning like, well, that wasn't it again. Here we go into the next day, every day. You got to get that. When you get that one out of the books, you feel fantastic. What would I don't understand how long it can take before that one actually is there. If you're still looking at the, you, you got to make sure you're looking at the rest of your data. I mean, I go Roto Tracker for me, looking at the distribution of results, you know, the, the 1% lineups, mm -hmm. the, the 0.1% type lineups, trying to look at that area. All right. Am I at least giving myself a chance? Because if that starts dropping, then I'm probably doing something wildly incorrect. So far, so good, but I'm still getting truck sticked in NBA for the first month. Now, what I like doing emotionally, like my the past two years have been the complete opposites of one another. So like in okay. 2020, we had obviously the COVID break, like gutted. I was on yeah. a downswing heading into that. So it's like, <laughs> it's like three months of like nothing. And then like I won the slant in October in NFL yeah. and that brought me into profitability. Yeah. But like the entirely, I'm like, like, when is this going to happen? Like, am I going to actually have a losing year playing DFS? Like, which could easily happen. I mean, it's, yep. I, it hasn't happened to me, but it could easily happen. And then this year I had the big MMA win. Mm, and then, right. and so it's like, so now it feels like, like you said, like it's, you're not playing with house money. It's not like I'm, I'm at drug Thunderdomes and, you know, like stuff like that. But when I, now that I'm on, I'm on a downswing, I have to, the way that I, I get, I try to, factor it in emotionally is it and a lot of people don't get this that like if if you've won 100k that doesn't mean that you've won 100k that means you've probably won like 70k because you've lost 30k i mean like it's not yeah. one of those things like oh i've seen you won three gpps for 100k so you obviously won more than three hundred thousand dollars this year and like no like there are people that have won three gpps for 300k that are down on the year that are down on the year uh, depending on the volume that you play, sure. but what I, that contest might be a little bit different, but like in the aggregate, right, you could be still in big time trouble, right? But what I do emotionally is I think I I, I think like year over year type yeah. of thing. So like for instance, winning one hundred sixteen thousand in MMA, going on a thirty thousand dollar downswing, like that's still like eighty. Like I take a look at my yearly, like I take a look yeah. at my yearly rotor track, and I go, if I asked myself in January of this year. That at in the year I'd have I'd make ninety thousand dollars. Would I be happy? And I'm, my answer would be yes. yes. So it's like, what does it matter that in the past three months, like it's gone de like, like that is what happened. It just so happened to work in this distribution. But last year was the opposite of it was down, down. I'm negative, and now it comes up. So like, like how come in that term it's like I that that feels great, but now it's like. Well, no, I, my graph always needs to go up. It's like, no, it doesn't, it's not going to, it's like, no. you have to come to that acceptance that your graph is never just going to go up. Yeah. Especially across a month, two months, three months, a full season, even depending, like it, 
you can see some real craters. And uh, I know you've seen it. Uh, I've seen it. I know other people's. I've seen other people's results. I don't think that most people understand how low the low gets before that next one tops it back off again. It also you know, depends. You win that 100, you drop 40, you win another 100, you drop another 50, you win another, like, well, you hope to win 100, or you get slightly unlucky and you finish second and the swing is just, like, that's probably the worst part now. Not just the, the downswing, the, oh, one additional rebound was 70 grand. That, those are the ones that start to sting. Yeah, but at least you're getting up there. I mean, me, I, I've, I've the, I've the worst, I've the self, the, the best self-inflicted bad beat of all time. Hit me. Uh, two years ago, in MLB, I'm the one that wants the flatter payout structures, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I like the fl- I want the flatter. Pay- I want. I don't. It doesn't have to be 100k to first. It could be 50k. It could be 25k. Just make it so that the top 10 is like I could come in seventh and still make a make a decent amount of money. So petition- now you should want that 100K. I've watched your previous shows. What, right. what up, Chess? <laughs> but uh, on, finally, like it was two years ago in like, a May, like May, on that Friday, they finally decided to do what I wanted them to do. The 25,000 to first, 15,000 to second, 12,5 to third, 10, like normally it would be 50,000 to first and then go down to there. That's the GPP I won. <laughs> <laughs> on the day they did exactly what I wanted, like it's like fuck you. I wanted I, <laughs> all the other days. That's perfectly fine. And and I hear Adam talk about that also. Like like he prefers it. It to me it doesn't make any. It, it, it I understand what what he's saying. If you're gonna play a contest consistently, you'd rather the payout structure be consistent because you don't know what day you're going to win, right? I've heard some people say that that's not true too, but that's neither here nor there. But how is that not true? That we oh, I, there are people that think that we know what days we should be better and worse. Well, I th- I've well, heard that. In in, in, in theory, we should. But but truthfully, Josh, in theory, we should. It's just hard to. It's. I mean, if let let let's, let's say let's say on an NBA slate, you see around the industry that some guy is being overprojected and overowned, and you're like, like I think too many people are doing this. So to me, like if you if you're more if you're correct, you have more of an edge on that slate than you would on a on a, on a, any other slate. So shouldn't you play more on those slates? Uh, so in theory, there, yeah, absolutely. Right. That's why I said in theory, it's hard to do that in practice. I'm just saying in theory that would be correct. Right. Like that that edge that we're talking about is a pretty tiny number. It's not sending me into like oh now I need to register every tournament that exists today which is, you know, things that I've heard. The moment you think you have that, just straight push it all to the center. I've heard that sort of stuff talked about in this industry, which is just bonkers to me. Like, yeah, I I might think I might be a little bit better off today. I don't really know how to, like, actualize that when I'm playing. Like, I'm already registered. What's my, like, am I just going to get in, like, the third version of that tournament and just add a little bit more? I never know what the cutoff for that is, so I basically just play the same stuff every day. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, you might as well play the same stuff every day if you're going to spend eighty hours working on it. <sighs> it's not eighty. <laughs> you Colors, mean your you mean your show in the morning, your process show is in sixteen hours long? <laughs> it should be. I would like it to be. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. That show just came about because I was going to do it anyway. I was just like, why don't I turn that into my own content? Do less content that I don't want to do. I'm going to wake up no matter what. Sit down at my desk with a coffee. 
and project out the rotations for the day. I have, I'm going to do that either way. Might as well just turn the, ca- like the camera on and let people join me for it. Luckily, they said yes to that. Well, I, well the same thing for me at 11 o'clock in the morning on Roto-Grinders. There you go. I, I get up at 11 o'clock in the day, and people don't, people don't believe me. I learned how to play DFS from studying other players. So, like, yep. like uh, for download in 2015, 16, downloading CSVs, Yep. Going through and seeing, you know, what are these people doing that I'm not doing? And like, not what players, just construction types and, and and everything like that. So like my normal routine and a lot of times I'm, I know what I'm looking for. Like it was, a, it was a unique situation. I want to know how petty theft handled this. I want to know how this guy, you know, like, had like, so I'm not like studying for an hour. I used to do that way back. Yeah. But like my normal process is 11 o'clock in the morning or whenever I get up, obviously, is I look at yesterday's slate and I go, like, let me take a look at, at some contests and whatever. Is there anything that had I known this, I should have done that? Or, you know, is there a construction type that I just didn't see? And it doesn't matter whether or not the the, the, the sharp players won that day. It's just like, did I build my lineup very similar to Brick? Did I build my lineup similar to Alex? Like, I, even though our processes are probably are different, right? But did we come to the same general spot? And if I see that, I'm like, it doesn't matter if I lost like 90% of my money. Yes. It's like, like, what am I, I'd love to trade my, my results with their results. So like, like, yeah, yeah. right. But, but you see so much in this industry, people focus on studying the winning lineup and it's like the winning lineup to me means nothing. No, not at all. I mean, you talk. We, I talk about it a lot on shows where it's just like that's sort of just like the worst lineup. You know, it it over it just because it overperformed doesn't make it like better or anything. You're most off from your projection from your projections from the beginning with that particular lineup. I'm not learning anything. Those are just the guys that played the best yesterday. They had outlier performances, probably one through eight or one through nine, depending on which site we're talking about here. I'm not going to learn anything there. I need to know aggregate percentages across different groups of people. Otherwise, one lineup, if you're going to try to recreate the winning lineup from the day before and use that as like my new process for today, you're just, you're not gaining anything. Yeah, but people try to do that. They uh, Very much so. Yeah. You know, you know how many people in baseball, you know how many people in MLB will tell me it's like, well, so like the, the, and especially in large field where people can just mash buttons and. You get the if you get the eight home runs from their single people, good good luck good luck to you. But there's enough people trying to do that that eventually, yeah, ten percent of the time there's going to be some weird fucking lineup up there. But then people will come to me. It's like is stacking not a thing anymore? It's like no, stacking's a fucking thing. Like like yeah. like no, that that is the easiest way for you to win first place. The opt or or they'll or they'll they'll, they'll say I they, they think they're smart by running the optimal. Right, they'll go into the previous days. Like the best possible lineup wasn't a stack. It's like the best possible lineup will never be a stack. (laughs) Probably unless they're hanging twenty six or something in that particular game. No, you're going to get a two one 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 stack. Right, and so why why don't we play that lineup? It's like, well, your goal isn't to get the optimal lineup. Your goal is to beat thirteen thousand people in a contest. Yeah, it's you don't need to string together eight straight. 2% 2% optimal guys and hope that they're all the guys that hit two home runs for that particular day. That's going to be a pretty difficult endeavor. The reason you stack is because of the correlation of hitting that home run with two of your other dudes on base to try to make up for the fact that you don't have nine individual bullets 
Yeah, that that one gets really crazy for baseball. I, I tell Palatable if you want to build those lineups, you'd be better off just parlaying eight home run props together. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's what you're looking to do. You probably, I mean, but I'm saying you probably make more money even. You, mean. you certainly might. I mean, that's that's ultimately what you're saying. I think that all of these people are going to home run today or have. I mean, that's that's what you're hoping for. You know, well, you know, you have to do you, like no, the you three do the, three, you do the, three double type days. You do the eight home run props parlayed with the two pitching <laughs> strikeout props. Yes, exactly. You build yeah, your I, own GPP they, lineup. Doesn't Alex do that? Doesn't he does the same game with the par that he does? Like, I see him post those like 12, 12 leg parlays of like, I'm building yeah. my own GPP. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Par- oh my God. Sports betting. I I need North Carolina to get with the program. Uh, uh, do, I got do nothing. You, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, soccer. Hit me. Because you play you play soccer DFS now. When did you start playing I, soccer DFS? This, this year for me to care at all, although I did do our projections two years ago on the site or something. Okay, like so that. you're new. I, I was hoping that, that you were new uh, because, yeah, you know, soccer is yeah. what, what I started with. Okay. So, uh, so, so yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Soccer, uh, soccer's my most consistently profitable sport. So I've enjoyed it so far. <laughs> what what you you play you you play the large field. Yeah. Contest, which yeah. I don't know if you know that it never used to be that like top heavy. Like right. it used to be back in the day in 2015 when I started playing, it used it was an $8 like an $8 contest. With okay. a five thousand dollar to first place, but it was five thousand, four thousand, three thousand, two. Like it was, it was like that. And now it's like twenty thousand to first and one hundred and fifty dollars to seventh place. I can't even justify. Like sometimes I build five to ten, hand build five to ten lineups for that. But most of the time, like I'm primarily a cash game, high stakes, uh, single entry type of right. player. Uh, so, what is your takeaway as far as playing? It, it just, for me, all the soccer people that have been playing DFS are, I mean, it's the reason why I find it, I would tell people it's the sharpest cash lobby in all of DraftKings because. Makes sense to me. Because all, all, all the regulars are like, like it's literally the same lobby from 2015. I mean, like, like these are the same people, Pew and Saramac and Red Coat yeah. and Moneyball and PSU and Fear My Turtle. Like, this is what I grew up. I mean, these are the people that I, not like, 2015. So like. Uh, so GPPs are, you know, that obviously you get more casual money in there. Uh, what is your approach? Cause it's weird for me to say that soccer, I have the least data driven approach because I think many people don't understand that the range of out that standard deviations of individual players could be dramatically different that median projections are not, not are not I I I see I see people at RG because we have soccer projections because Alex and Sean put them out and they're I trying to build them right but 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 they're they're <laughs> trying to build cash lineups like they're playing 50-50s, low stakes 50-50s. and they're like I'm just gonna press the optimize button I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fucking do it for soccer yeah. it's no. like because then it's like why can't I play this guy he's projecting for 15 points it's like yeah. If he scores a goal, and if he doesn't score right. a goal, he has three. He'll have zero. Yeah. Right, right, He'll or something like that. Nothing, right, yeah. right. Like you Cristiano want to set you like a decent example. He's not going to do anything on the pitch but score. If he does not score, he's going to get wrecked. He's not going to be involved in any other facet of that game for that particular day. Right, but his projection implies a sixty-five percent chance of scoring. 
Exactly. So yeah. like his median on that on that game is going to be eight. Yeah. Right. But he's never going to score. It's very similar to the, the, like uh, the Hunter Renfro types in baseball. Sure. Yeah, like yeah, like their median will be nine. And it's like, oh, he's a good play. It's like, yeah, but if he, it, he's either going to hit a home run or strike out four times. So like, like yeah. you can't necessarily go by those medians. So how do you, how do you approach building uh GPP soccer lines? It just, it would be interesting for me to hear only because I've come from, I've been playing soccer DFS for six years and I, I want to see what like the, and it feels like I play soccer with that like 2015 style of DFS approach only because I, I don't believe that soccer projections are worth that much because like if you understand, it, it's weird for me to say, Josh, I'm saying all the things that I, I, I compel people not to say of like, so <laughs> like soccer, the, the difference in formations and, and the, the 11 players that they put out because they have wrote, because I believe teams rotate yeah. Like could dramatically change the floors and ceilings of players that yeah. I'm not sure that if you don't know enough about soccer will understand in just simple little median projections. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, first and foremost, I'm approaching it just because I am a gigantic Liverpool fan. I'm meeting up with a group of guys every Saturday to go watch the games. I am, this is a social aspect for me more than anything right now. But like the perfect example on a situation like that would be if Liverpool at, you know, we're talking about a 10 o'clock slate and at nine o'clock, we find out that Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't playing for Liverpool. That dramatically affects everybody else on Liverpool from the way that that ball is going, like the crosses are going to change pretty dramatically because you're going to have a different right back in there. The way that like Mo Salah and Sadio Mane are going to be involved offensively for Liverpool is going to change dramatically. And you get that hour to figure out what that impact is going to be. And then it's just done. There is no build up to that. You get that information, you figure it out, and then you're just there. And everything could be different from 8.55 to 9.05 just by that information of starting lineups, which I feel like doesn't exist in any other DFS sport. Well, NBA, but it's easier to project that. Right. You're, the the question marks of those projections don't feel all that problematic. Oh, uh, Joel Embiid is out. We're going to Andre Drummond. Okay. Well, like nothing's, we don't have to change too, too much here. We're bumping Tobias Harris. We're bumping Ben Simmons generally, but maybe not this year. Andre Drummond's going to look really good because he's cheap. But I don't like, it doesn't immediately make me want to play the right back for Liverpool. But the long and short of this is that I am not approaching this with uh, any sort of real plan. I am jamming <laughs> away uh, with just the excitement of checking my phone at halftime to see how things are going and then checking it when Liverpool is done. Um, I, I haven't cared as much as I probably should. I'm just jamming away and I just wanted to play because I've been watching more soccer. That's so what do you just jam projections that's and that's it? Or I mean like... So I've been, whatever, I've been grabbing, not that I want to like, don't give up trade secrets or anything like that. Uh, I grab our projections from our, from Osimo. I grab the RG projections. Uh, RG also has the ownership projections. So um, those are as many of the pieces that I'm very easily able to find right out of the gate, trying to give them a little look-see. Um, I completely threw out the projections that I had been making three years ago. It was not worth me maintaining that workbook to continue to do it. Uh, blending them, <laughs> blend, that's a good, good right. word for this show. Uh, <laughs> blending them a bit and then using the ownership projections along with me running like a quick sim based on those blended projections to you know try to flatten out the ownership a little bit in spots and then just treating it like everything else. 
taking a projected lineup, comparing it to what I think the ownership will be in that particular lineup, which is tough in soccer. I mean, the error bars are just a little bit bigger on that one than it is for, say, basketball. Super pretty easy to project basketball ownership at this point. Uh, and I'm just jamming away. I, I wish I had a better answer for you in this particular case, but it, it is fully just an entertainment product for me. Okay. I was just, I was just interested. I mean, cause, but, but we'll but see you, where that's at next year. I might care. Like I might start to care more about it. And if I'm ever doing less, like with having to do, it, it's hard for me to prioritize it after a week's worth of NBA content plus showdown slate content for Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Like sometimes I just don't want to be around DFS any longer, but I still want to feel something while I watch soccer. Right. So to me now, because, because uh, of COVID, especially, uh, like Saturdays are my favorite DFS days. Love it. We soccer, you get MMA now. College football, if you want it, MMA at night. Right, it's great. And I only it's got great. into MMA NBA because of co- because of COVID. Because like there was nothing when Dana White brought it back. I'm like, there's nothing else for me to play. And then once I saw MMA, I'm like, once I saw the construction, I'm like, oh, this is like NFL Showdown. This is like, yeah. it's more about like not, not duping and everything. It's like okay, it's like what else do I need to know? And then like projections wise, it's like it's all binary. So it's like. Like all I have to do is look at betting lines and ownership and just like build lineups that hopefully other people don't have and and then and then and then watch it and it and the sweat is is nice because it's like one you get you know exactly where you are what do you need and it's and soccer to me is the best sweat like cha- Champions League group stage Thursday Tuesdays and Wednesdays it's like it's two hours long all the half times typically line up so you get that nice little bathroom break that's the best part of soccer just in general the 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 fact that you know that you're out in two hours full stop no matter what you know like obviously there are situations where you're getting extra time in different contests but like or like a saturday 10 o'clock saturday premier league slate at noon you know what's you're already done everything is well they might not be paying out so quickly but uh you know what has happened at that point in time and everything happened at the exact same time i love that i i don't ever sweat nba I'm never up that late. I would just wake up to tweets being like, hey, you're in first, really pulling for you. And then I wake up and I'm down 40%. It's like, <laughs> stop tweeting me. <laughs> I don't want to know this stuff. You want to tweet me when there's no minutes left? I would love for everybody to tell me about how awesome it is that I just won. Otherwise, all it is is bringing me multiple times of sadness, which has happened at least three times just this season. <laughs> Well, in soccer, I, li- I like the fact that, especially in Champions League, where there's a lot more scoring. Yeah. That, like, it's like, it's two hours, and you could, and I know people say, well, in golf it happens, and on NASCAR it happens. You could go from first to last in a matter, matter of five minutes, but, like, you could have lineups that's like, oh, I'm in, I'm, I'm 22 points behind, and it's a stoppage time in some of these games. It's like, dude, three goals could get scored right now, yep. and you could have, you could win. I mean, like... Like a lot of the guys above you have guys that have already been subbed out and, and whatever. Then you get the bonuses, right? Yep. You're sitting there going like, oh, I'm going to do really well. And then like your fucking goalie busts a fucking clean sheet. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then you, and then you have the defend defenders correlated with them. So it's like, dude, I was counting on 16 points there. And or it's like, you know, a VAR, they take a goal away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're just like, oh, nice. I have this. He's low owned. And then five seconds later, you look up and he's, offside by the width of my fingernail and right. all of a sudden you just want to punch everyone that you see or or when that you have the, or when you have the ago. you have the team's penalty taker and they decide someone else is going to take the penalty <laughs> oh so so frustrating <laughs> but so you're but you're right uh, to me the edge in soccer dfs 
is the hour before lock. Yep. Like, like, because you're not you, paying attention to, for it, you're out of luck. Because you gotta uh, be around. Because I do the Rotowire soccer podcast, which comes out on Fridays, and we re- yeah. we do the EPL slates, and you know, it's like we're going to talk from the projected lineup standpoint, but like, like half the time, uh, you're talking. It's like, okay, you're probably plugging in this guy, that guy, this guy, and then next thing you know, like. They're not, they, they got rotated out. Like the, the best play of the slate is no longer even in the lineup anymore. Uh, but also like the formations change. Like, you know, you know how many times, like how many times, uh, and I hate when they get bailed out when, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of those, uh, people go by the FOT mob or the sofa score formations yep. when they first come out, not when they've been corrected. Now, obviously if you know the teams, you'll not, you'll, you'll know, uh, yeah, it could be a little weirder in like uh, Champions League with some of these squirrely teams. The Premier right. League is probably going to be a little bit different, you right? Can, but sometimes people, you just people know those. One of one of the common uh, things in in soccer DFS is that the defenders you typically you want to play you don't want to play center backs on DraftKings. Right. Uh, you want to play wider defenders that will attack. So what ends up happening is that like you know you get uh, Caesar Aspilicueta ends up being twenty eight percent owned, and I know when the lineups come out and I see. You know, it's a, it's a, I see Christensen and I see Silva and I see Aspilicueta and I see Callum Hudson-Odoi and I see uh, like uh, uh, Ben Chilwell or something like that. I'm like, like, I know the formation is, is coming. It, like it's a four, two, three, one. Like, no, Aspilicueta is playing as a center back. This is that the, the Chelsea it. plays with three center backs. I don't care what this formation on the screen says, but people yeah. will see that and go, well, he's 4,400 and playing for a, Minus two twenty favorite, and then AC and like like dude, this he's dude never has gonna a, get. He's not getting forward. He's not pumping the ball into anything. He's in a very different spot than he would be if he were playing wide. Right, but the problem yeah, is, Aspel Equate is a great example there too. Right, but, but the problem is, is that it's the sixty eighth minute. Uh, Hudson Adoy gets substituted for Mount, and then Aspel Equate plays the wing back and gets fucking two assists or some shit, yep. and like. <laughs> Fucking fuckers get bailed out again. I was right. I was right <laughs> until I wasn't. Right. Like, but that ha- that happens to a team like Leeds. Like right. a lot of people don't because they have weird formations. Yeah, but these are, to, to me, like I'm just highlighting things of like, these are things that are very hard to account for in projections. And even yeah. if they are accounted for, what you're looking at in the median range is like, like could be so wide that, to go strictly, but the, the the guys that have the lowest variance in median projections are essentially like the set piece taker types yeah. where you could like project the amount of corners or free kicks, fouls, and say like, well, this guy is going to take 80% of them. There's probably going to be 12, you know, on average. And, you know, but those are obviously like, typically they're popular in cash games, right? I mean, like, yeah, they're, for, yeah, for that they're very already going to be getting that sort of ownership. Yeah. But, but you so, don't do uh, any... You don't do anything in right. soccer where it's like, if you're going to play a center back, if a center back makes your lineup, make sure to pair the center back with the set piece taker of that team. Cause his ceilings so, are going to be tied to each other. I will set some boosts and groups in fantasy cruncher for, you know, like uh, even just like a, go- a goalie defender. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to have to happen, but you know, that's clearly a correlation where you're going to, if there's a clean sheet, we're going to get it on both sides. So I will give a bump to say any defender with the goalie gets, you know, an extra 5% to the projection before I run the crunch or 10% to the crunch. I'll try to do a little bit uh, from that perspective, but I won't do any hard and fast rules. Nothing, nothing too crazy. 
Right, but you see the value in the in the if a center back scores a goal, it's most likely going to come from from a set play. Oh yeah, so, it's probably he's probably heading in a corner. Right, right. So like that, but those are the types of questions that I want. Like from a new, yeah, from a v- yeah. generally newer soccer DFS player playing in GPPs, like like it seems like you're more more like to, to me truthfully, it seems like you're like. Uh, I'm just going to play a bunch of lineups and jam it in and just watch TV type of... Just For whatever. right now, yeah. I think when the NFL season ends, when we come back and I just have NBA, so like, you know, probably we'll talk like late January, early February, I think that playing soccer DFS is going to take a bigger focus for me. Because I'm, en- I'm really enjoying playing on Saturday mornings and sometimes Sunday mornings. And uh, if I can poke my head into Champions League slates on the correct like Wednesdays uh, I go to the gym so it, I just don't have that kind of time for myself but Tuesdays I could probably do it I want to play it more because it's the sport that I watch the most and that's more fun I'm worried I lose my fandom though that's the scariest part to me because I, now I hate sports and that bumps me out <laughs> no you have to do what I do like like uh, when I when I was a sports fan which I'm not uh, yeah. well the only reason I started with soccer and DFS was that's the only sport I watched like I gave up okay. on all the major sports probably in like 2003, but I continued watching soccer and I, my friend was a Liverpool fan. So like I was a, okay. I was a Liverpool fan. So, you know, I remember Istanbul. I remember, you know, in the mid two thousands and everything. Uh, but like once we got a team here in, in, in Louisville, like in the USL second division, I mean, yeah. I'm Louisville said like they're yeah. my team. Right. So like, okay. obviously there's no USL DFS, no. but like, Not that I'm so, aware of. Right. So to me, like, that's where my fandom is. Like, like when people are like, like, who's your favorite soccer? T-? Like, it's Louisville City. And they go, no, really? What's your fa-? Like, it's Louisville. We drugged like 12,000 people. Whoever's in I my mean, best performing lineup is my favorite soccer team that right. particular day. Yeah, but that's the way it is for me in NFL and NBA yep. and everything like that. So so I, I understand how fandom. it ruins your fandom. But you have to appreciate, like, you didn't, you were watching soccer before playing D- all the other sports in DFS. Yeah. Uh, do people not, not believe, I mean, once you're converted, you get it. Don't you think that soccer DFS is extremely underrated as a DFS sport? Big, very, very, very much so. Because not even just from the DFS perspective, and I, I guess I'm probably putting my own opinions on this, but I also think it's like an incredible television product mm-hmm. where sort of what we were just talking about before you don't, this isn't three and a half hours. You're not sitting through any commercials. You're going to watch this for 45 minutes. You're going to go to the bathroom, refresh your beer, get a drink, whatever you're doing. You come back 15 minutes later. You're going to watch the next 45 minutes. And now you're just done. It's already over two hours, clean package. It's, I I know people get in on like the low scoring. I feel like they should make goals count for seven so that people think that it's not (laughs) low scoring. Like just because we count touchdowns to be seven in the NFL, like, People think that the NFL is this like high scoring machine in relationship to soccer. It's like, well, they're just, they count their points differently. Last night's game, they were five touchdowns. Right. There you go. That's a three to two game in soccer. So what the hell's the difference? That's, that's the way that I like to look at it. Oh, it's so boring. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I I see it differently. The crowds, which I never thought I would care about from a sports perspective. And then they all went away for COVID and watching a soccer match with no crowd, particularly as a Liverpool fan who's got a pretty solid uh, base from uh, like you hear the Liverpool crowd always if they're at Anfield. Love it. 
you don't have that sort of thing in the NFL. Nobody's going crazy like that. College football, sure, I guess. But I think it's such a great product on television. I'm hoping that that starts to grow and grow more and then grows the DFS product. But I'm with you from what we said before. It's a great sweat. It's so much better than, I like, it's, I think it might be the best sweat. It is. I, that's what I'm saying. A, a it Sunday, is. A Sunday major golf is different in that you get like the esteem of that particular event. Like a Sunday sweat at the Masters in DFS is going to be fun for mm. you, but it's not going to be as fun if it's like the Barbasol classic. <laughs> right. No, but in, in, uh, the thing that I never understood about soccer DFS is that's like, Soccer is extremely popular. It's not like, yeah. like it's very like if we have got we have golf milli makers, we have MMA, we have NASCAR. Like it just seems so odd that like well, cha Champions League and Premier League soccer aren't as big DFS wise. I mean, I I think I know the reason why. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's easy. It's not an American product. We're uh, we're arrogant as a group of people. No, but I don't think. But I don't. But I don't think that. I think people that play DFS don't care as much about that. I think it's more of the fact that I think the casuals uh, do. Yeah, but I. But but that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about that. I think DraftKings uh, didn't fo never fo never put the money into it. Sure. Like like for PGA. Like they put the money, they put the money behind PGA. They put the money behind, yep. behind uh, NASCAR. They put like they, they put serious money, and they did content. Like they had Pat Mayo right. doing PGA stuff or whatever, and they just never did that. They did it for the during the World Cup, right? And I did a bunch of content for them during during the World Cup. But like the problem is, is that like and during the World Cup they were it was a hundred thousand to first like every day. During the World Cup, and this was even when the when the U.S. didn't qualify, right? So, <laughs> right? So, like, but they never like once it was over, they just decided it's like we're just going to forget about soccer, even though EPL starts in 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 a month, and they never converted anyone. Like they didn't like they just like that's the end of our campaign, and we're just going back to normal. And I'm like, my whole hope during that World Cup was oh. this is when soccer DFS becomes a thing, and the thing that pissed me off so much about the World Cup. Is that so many goddamn center backs scored, and then they would get they would get even more on? Did, did you play during that World Cup or no? You didn't play. I, did, I didn't. Imagine, I didn't. imagine. Actually, okay. As weird as it sounds, I barely watched it. Really? Yeah. But ima it's, imagine, imagine. I know that's insane. Uh, as, as like, I, I am legitimately a huge soccer fan. I barely watched it. it uh, like, maybe, maybe barely is not the right. I probably barely watched it for someone that like people would expect to watch it a lot. I didn't watch nearly as much as everyone's expectation would have been for how much I would have watched. But but this is how once the we got into eliminations, like the round of sixteen. Like once we started paring it down, then I was fully in. I didn't watch as much in like the group stages. But uh, imagine imagine playing Premier League slates over and over again, and James Tarkowski scores a header goal, right at at, at thirty two hundred, and the very next slate they price him up to forty six hundred. And then he's 32% owned and scores again. <laughs> that was the world. And, and that, that, that was the world. Price, he probably shouldn't be 3.2% owned. Right. Right. And they, then that, that Sweden, Sweden's uh, Sweden has a center back Linquist mm -hmm. that takes their penalties. So imagine a lot of those. Uh, Sergio I, I, think, I, I think on one slate, 
He was like, he's a center back, remember? Remember, he has like, yeah. other than that, he has no floor, no nothing. No. Uh, he was like, I think he was 4,700, which is a lot for a center back on, on, yeah. uh, nope, got, got a penalty in the 88th minute and, and he was like 38% owned on a three game <sighs> slate. That's such a bad play. <laughs> right. But, but that, that, that's how frustrating the world cup was. It's like, it's like, oh, uh, we had uh, a Yerry Mina. He scored two games in a row, like all these, cause it was all off of set plays and right. it was all these center backs. And the thing is, is that especially with so many casual people playing with these bigger world cup contests. All you had was these game logs from the World Cup. So you're like, well, this guy scored 16 points last game. I'm just going to play him again. And then now, he just scores again. To play, now I'm really excited for next year. <laughs> well, next year it's going to be during the win. Next year, oh, my God, it's going to be during football. It's yeah. going to be in November. Oh, that's fine with me. If I, if I have my druthers, I won't talk about football any longer. Yeah, but how do you, how do, you do the World Cup next year? You're going to have NBA, NFL at the same time also. And the, and the World I'm, Cup. I am hoping that I can stop touching anything that involves the NFL. That's why. My, that's why my what's hope. wrong with the NFL? I hate it. <laughs> I hate the NFL so much. The games really are horrible. Agree. It's an. It's an. To me, it's an incredibly awful product to watch. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't get the appeal. I really don't. And I was a monstrous NFL fan. Uh, maybe it was like a. Maybe it was a video game thing for me for the longest time. I don't really play like Madden or. The NCAA football game is gone. I'll probably start playing that again once uh, that comes back. Now that we can uh, pay college players, but I don't. I, I red zone helps mm. for sure. To watch an individual NFL game is brutal. Just, it's just boring. It's just so boring. I mean, they're turn, well, they're turning it into our shows now with the NFL games in the background. It's like the Madden streams. I mean, it's just Peyton and Eli on the side of the screen in the same overlay that we have, and they're just they're chopping it up. That's a better way to watch the NFL games as far as I'm concerned. But I don't want to watch set of commercials, touchdown off of a timeout, set of commercials, extra point, set of commercials, kickoff, set of commercials again. I don't know how people do that. It, it's so awful to me. So awful. I hate it so much. Yeah, but I could say the same thing. The one thing, I, the, the part I never got watching on TV is basketball. Ooh, really? Okay, tell me why. To me, I find NBA, I find basketball to be extremely boring. I think I actually why? think basketball is the most boring sport. Oh, fascinating. But it's but it's the reason why it's that it's the and there's been studies on this as far as like the psychological reasoning why people find soccer boring but find basketball exciting is the exact reason why people find the opposites to be true. So in basketball, there's a lot of action. But none of the actions have any have that much jeopardy, right? Right. So I watch the first quarter of a basketball, and I'm like, why don't I just turn tune in the last five minutes? Like, what do any of these baskets matter? And then you combine it to, to the fact that the NBA regular season kind of doesn't matter. So it's like, yes. so why? Like, what? I have no emotional investment in even if um, as a neutral, it feels like it doesn't matter who wins this game. In soccer, there's no in the Premier League. There's no playoffs. It's 38 games, and you got to win. I mean, it's like there's no whatever. And at any moment of the match is the most important moment of the match. Like, the goal could be scored at the second minute, and that is the most exciting part of the entire match. So you have to watch the whole thing. Like, at any moment, 
something's going to happen. So I got, I got to be on the edge of my seat going, okay, they're bringing the ball up this way. They're going sideways. They, they, okay. There's the run. Here's the through ball. Oh, missed it. It's out on the goal. There's going to be a goal kick. Like to me, that's exciting because yep. all of the plays and all of the actions have some form of jeopardy to them because one goal scoring is, is not like a, there's going to be 200 baskets in an NBA game. What do I care about one three pointer? I don't, but a one goal means a lot in a soccer game. Massive. And that, and then the season matters because there ain't no fucking playoffs. So, like, you just got to fucking win games. And if you're a mid-table team, you're probably not going to win first. But you're trying to come in fourth. You're trying to get a Europa spot. You're trying to get a Champions League spot. If you're on the bottom, the, some of the best games are the fucking the games at the end of the season between the two teams at the bottom battles, of the table. Yeah. They're trying to try to stay in the Premier League. So, like, to me, the most exciting game of the entire year that I try to watch every year is the championship playoff final, right? Sure. In Wembley, because the two teams yeah, that are... Somebody's playing to go up, yeah. Right, it's it's considered the richest game in the world because the team that oh, wins gets so gets the most, goes up and gets, like, God knows how much money from the Premier League contract. And I like seeing, like, the guy, like, Bournemouth or something. Like, they haven't been up in the first division in 116 years, <laughs> right? Like. Yeah, that's, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. So that, that to me, that, though, that's is, why the soccer product to me is much more compelling than NBA basketball. So I agree with you. And I, but I just think that that's a product of American sports and money to a degree. Like I wish the NBA went to a 58 game schedule where they played every single team from a home and home and didn't go to the playoffs. Like I'd be, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I like, don't even get me started on baseball. 162 games is insanity. Uh, that is, they can cut that season. But they in make half they make too much money on the NBA playoffs to not have playoffs. Right. I I understand why it will never become that. But if it were me, I would want every sport to be like soccer and have promotion and relegation, no playoff setup in in that way at all, a completely balanced schedule. I would be totally fine with that. I I send send the Thunder easily. to the G League. What's wrong with that? And bring up bring up Fort Wayne, Indiana into the NBA, right? Like it, that there's no thing. oh the Premier League that so and so is tanking. It's like no, they're not. They will never do that. No one wants to get set down. It is like financial suicide to do it. No one wants to be sent down. That is a it's just not happening. But the, th- the Thunder aren't going to be good for years. <laughs> but don't you think it's weird that in in the United in the United States the American style of sports is extreme socialism and the European style of sports is extreme. Ca- like, like yeah. in, 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 in soccer, in the rest of the world, like so a, a multi-billionaire could just buy your team and just buy all the players. And there's no salary caps. There's no, they, there's supposedly financial fair play, but fair that play. FIFA, FIFA is corrupt as fuck. So that doesn't ma- yeah. matter. So we'll you have what these Newcastle does teams. over the next couple of years. Right, right. Newcastle. Right. I mean, cause from from when I started watching soccer, like like Man City was Man City was the mid table team. Like even Chelsea, yeah. until Abramovich uh, uh, bought Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. was like okay, Chelsea is they you know they're hanging around in twelfth place or something like that, or you know the big teams were Liverpool and Arsenal and Man United and yep. Tottenham, I guess a little bit or whatever. Uh, but I mean, I mean I remember like the Ajax teams from the the, the mid nineties yeah. that won the Champions League. Uh, but people don't realize that like, like, oh, I can't watch soccer. Soccer is too, is not American. It's like, no, it is actually the most American. 
It is the it is the feel free win seven nothing and feel free to bankrupt your opponent. You, you, it's 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 yeah. completely fair play for teams to go absolutely go into administration and you get penalized for it's not like in in NBA if you tank in NBA it's like we'll give you the first round draft pick like in in the, pre, in the in the in the in the football in the in the FA. Dude, if you if you mismanage your team's finances, they dock you twenty five points and say, "Get the fuck out of here! You're going down to the conference." Like, yeah. shouldn't America want that up. type of system? I, it's, I love it. I love it. It'll never happen, but I love it. <laughs> if the NBA had promotion and relegation, it would be wild. <laughs> and I feel like they can support it at this point too. You know, I, but uh, I think, I, but I think they don't have the money. You can't, you can't cut the hundred plus playoff games. People no, lose their minds. To no, but I, I, I think the reasoning tells, behind that, that you. Uh, uh, Josh, the reasoning behind it is is not we're, we're we're stating the the symptom and not the cause. So when you when you say that oh we can't relegate the the Thunder to the G League because they'll lose all this money. Well, we don't understand that the reason why they will lose all this money is because unlike the rest of the world, like. The the way that I described how how soccer as a community based sport is is much more similar to college football. It's one of those it's one of those things here, in, especially I, I fight with people here in Louisville about it. Uh, and we have a and we we're the highest strong USL team in the league. So like okay. we have our own state. Like we're actually a very successful USL team. Okay, but here in Louisville, people people obviously Louisville's big into college basketball, right? Sure. Uh, people will say, uh, I'll go to, I'll go to the soccer games when they have a professional team. And I go, we are a professional team. It's like, but you're not an MLS. It's like, so it's like, so it's like, well, that's, you're in a division that you're, that, that they view it. They view it in terms of like a triple a baseball team. And it's like, no, we're, we're a professional team in a professional league. We just happen to be in the tier below MLS. Now in any other, obviously across the world, we're the only we're the only team in the in the history of soccer that has won the second division title two years in a row, right? Because the rest okay, of the world yeah. you can't do that because you'd be in the yeah. upper right. You couldn't. You yeah, wouldn't you be able got to promoted. Do, right, you got promoted. So, but in talking to people here, especially since I come from New York City, where college sports wasn't much of a thing, St. John's, I Not guess really. in the in the eighties, yeah. maybe some somewhat. I say to them, uh, why do you why do you follow the universe, why do you follow UK or U of L like Louisville basketball and Kentucky basketball? It's like well they're great because like but it's called I'll watch U of L when they when they're in the NBA, right? Right, and and they, and they, they don't understand what I'm saying. Like I'm saying the same thing that you're saying, but and you have to acknowledge that you follow U of L basketball because there never was an NBA team here in Louisville. So you got attracted to the highest level of basketball that there was in your community and you supported it. And it happened to be the college team. High school sports in Texas are the same exact way. You go catch a Permian game. <laughs> right. But but the reason is, is because the community says, we like football. We like basketball. What's the t- what's our team? It doesn't matter that they're not in the NFL. It doesn't matter. It just, it's your team. But soccer is that one. That's why when teams get... Uh, relegated, it's not like, uh-oh, all the money got, like, like, no, they're still getting 20,000 people a game. I mean, like, their teams in the fourth division, they're still, they're getting 8,000 people a game because that's the team from the town that, 
you supported, your father supported, your grandfather supported. Yeah. It's the same mentality. I think if that we had that same mentality where like G League teams like the uh, got supported like because it was your local yeah. basketball team, then I don't think it would have been as big of a deal to have promotion and rolling. I think it's the byproduct of that. We view college sports like that. But in the rest of the world, I talk to people in the UK because I, I used to do a, a football. I used to play the football manager video game like obsessively. Uh, play it right. I play it right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, they find it confusing that we follow college teams. So it's like no one cares about the university teams here. Right. Because they Unless have their, there. Right. But we do. But we do because that's our version of like the lower division. Yeah. But to me, that's Which is that, also how college sports should probably work. Why they're you can very easily set up a promotion and relegation system in college football. Why not? But but, but we have it. I mean we I'd have be independent more likely teams. to watch it. I if there were a look how many teams would you need? 11, 12, something like that. Send down the bottom one. You play each team once. I would be in for that for college football. I would probably watch college football again if they had like an ultra league and demoted yeah, but, but, but isn't, isn't that, that, that the worst thing to happen they wanted they, you you would want a super league in soccer i mean that to me that's the antithesis you would want everyone i i i, I like the fact like to me the most the most uh the why i like the ncaa tournament it's like mm. if you win your league you're in i mean like it's like you could win the ivy league and you're you're maybe the 14th seed or something like that but right. it feels like Every conference and everything has its place. Of course, the at-large bids tend to go to, you know, the fourth place team of the big division instead of yeah. something else. But ninth best team in the ACC, right? But technically, they're probably the team that should be in because yeah. the fourth best team out of the Horizon League probably shouldn't be in the tournament. But like, I I like that concept more than in college football. You really can't do it because I mean, I remember when I watched college football. I mean, I haven't watched in God knows how long. That was all done by polls. There was no BCS. There was no, it's just like, like the bowl games were, you know, the Rose Bowl was what, it was the, uh, it was the, whatever win, the Pac-10 winner versus the Big Ten winner. And it's like, you'd have the number one team facing the number 10 team, the number two team in the Peach Bowl. And then it's just like, after these games, whatever the AP poll was, you're the national champion. And I'm like, there gotta be a better way than this, this fucking way to do it. Yeah. That, that was probably not the best mechanism that we ever put together. It's gotta be at least a little bit better. Now you mentioned the super league before. I obviously don't want that to happen. I'm not at all surprised that it did at least try to happen. And I expect it to happen at some point in time just from a money perspective. Like money will dictate most of these decisions. It's not going to make my enjoyment higher. I think that that happens sooner rather than later. What? Do you think it's going to happen? The Super League? Yeah. I mean, no. Obviously, maybe not the Super League as presently constituted. Uh, that got stepped on pretty quickly. But I think it happens eventually. I don't think so. Really? No. That's what the Champions uh, League is. I mean, that's what the what the Champions League is, is what it should be. Sure. I, look, I don't want it to change. I am very happy with the status quo of trying to win a Premier League, trying to win a Champions League, and being done with it. I think it's a great product. Right. If they're going to be cutting... Cha- I mean, that, that's sort of what we're talking about from the Thunder's perspective. The big 
teams want to cut out any of their downside risk. And the Thunder don't have any. They are not going to get relegated or lose out on revenue. In fact, by paying so many some of these guys so little, they're actually going to get more money for doing it, which is bonkers to think about. Uh, I think we might end up seeing that at some point in time. You know, team. That's that's why I think we saw someone like Tottenham be there, where it's like I don't want to have to worry about if I qualified for Champions League or Europa League. I want that check no matter what, and that gets scary. When it yeah, becomes but, but such we, a money in those in that type scary. of world, we don't get things like Leicester City three years ago. Yeah, I don't want it to happen at all. That Leicester story was incredible. I mean, would I have preferred Liverpool to win the Premier League that particular year over Leicester and never get that story? Absolutely, a hundred percent. But that's to even explain that to people, people don't people don't people soccer. don't get like I try to explain like le- that that le- what Leicester City did. And then people are like, oh, that's like uh, if the Jets won the Super Bowl. It's like, no, no. That's like if the if the that's like if the Jets went 15 and 1. And I mean, you would it, 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 in winning the Super Bowl, that would even be too like you would have yeah, to make it's, it, it it's more it's, it's more like, it's like, like if a triple A team winning based like a, the the World Series, but they don't have an affiliation with the team that was above them. They're no, just no, well, like I, I think it's it's more of the win. regular season. Picture uh, picture the Thunder going uh, seventy six and six. Yeah, yeah. Because because the whole point is that like le- like we're used to playoffs where it's like well as long as you sneak into the playoffs you could win three games and win the title. Yeah, you have like, to be good for thirty eight games, right? You have to be good, and you have to have the best record after thirty eight games, having the second lowest payroll in a league that there is no salary cap of. Five thousand to one, or whatever, to win the right, and that, and that, that. and that was probably you bad odds. It should have been fifty thousand to one, and yet they did it, which was just nuts and awesome. What What an what an incredible story! Uh, If this was DFS, what would what would be what would be the Super League? Like, how do we determine who the best? We we have all these screenshots on Twitter. Why we have? Why isn't there one? Why isn't there a Super League of DFS? I, I thought I thought Alex and Big T and and Whistles are doing the the becoming the goat. Is that the Super League? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. All I saw was playing blackjack in a pool in a video. <laughs> uh, I think it was blackjack. But but do you? I, I, I've I've always thought I've I've said to DK because I'm in the, the VOP thing that mm-hmm. it why why didn't DFS turn into what like poker was where. Yeah where you have personalities and I know that's not a televised product. You can't make it, but with the way Twitch, Twitch streaming, like why, why couldn't you make DFS player personalities in some type of super league type of like whatever type of thing. And then like every day, like there's, you have 50, 50 people, you know, the 50 pros or whatever, sponsored pros, whatever. And then, There'd always be like three or four on Twitch sweating the games like every night. And you knew these and you knew, oh, this guy's going to, you have the Phil Helmuth type. You have the, you know, like all these types of people. And it's like you, you're playing in the same. Now there's this super league contest that obviously you're, you're not able to play in, but obviously these guys are also playing, you know, in all the other contests on the site. And it's like, you tune in. It's like, it's like a sweat show type of type. Like, why wasn't that ever done? Like, as a concept, why? by by the sites, I have no idea. Why aren't there actual standings? 
Nobody, nobody aggregates it. Nobody puts it out there. It's, it's available. Everybody, at least from a DraftKings perspective, or if you want to start scraping FanDuel, I'm shocked, shocked that that stuff doesn't get posted constantly. Well, no you, one talks about it. No, but there's a reason why no one talks about it. Sure. But there's still, maybe there's two reasons no one talks about it. I think you're thinking well, of a different reason than I'm thinking of. What are you thinking of? Okay. So what we're talking about is all the all the DraftKings data outside of maybe the head-to-head lobby, obviously. Yeah. Is 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 public. I mean, like you could all of that we have in the results DB. Uh yep. FanDuel, you could scrape. So like that's not not you could do you could get that also. It just takes more work. Yep. Uh uh, and I know, pe- and I know people that have that information. Absolutely, right. Uh, Cal at Roto Grinders, obviously pocket fives. Obviously, in in, yep. in poker, there was something called Shark Scope. Yep. Where all this de- where you could basically find out all this information. Cal with the Roto Grinders rankings. Obviously, we all know that it's volume based. Yep. Right. It counts your wins, but it doesn't really count any losses. Uh, he didn't want to make a shark scope because it's it's bad for the ecosystem to because the bad players don't want to be highlighted as bad players. So you'll scare them if they know that everything's being tracked. Like it it runs them off more than it keeps them there. So from from a good player's perspective, you wouldn't want you don't want to embarrass bad players, especially whales, no. right? Right. Oh, 100%. You want them coming back. Right. So that's that when I say that why people don't talk about it, the two reasons. Number one is that people that do content that are losing players don't want people to know that they're losing players. That's the one that I thought that you were talking about. But I think that the good players don't want the bad players to be embarrassed. Because I I mean, I I, literally I could go to the Roto-Grinder standings and look at the top 50 and show and show you ten players that are lifetime losers. Yep, that are like that 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 people know that people know, and people think are winners, but they're mass. I mean, and when I mean lifetime losers, I mean massive losers. Yes, massive, yes. massive losers. I mean, massive it losers helps to have a lot of money to start. <laughs> right. I'm talking about From seven. Somewhere. I'm talking about seven plus figure lo- losers lifetime. God. Yeah. Okay. I know who they are, and the good players know who they are. But if I were to point them out, maybe they stop playing. So, yep. like, that's the to me, that's the reason why no one talks about it. And it's also the reason why, uh, like, DFS Twitter is, like, just chirp fest, chirp fest, chirp fest. But yeah. the, anyone that's good knows who's what's up. Yeah. But it, it it's very similar to the, the poker. Like, I was, I was never this type of person. I was friendly with everyone. But let's just say you're more friendly to the to the whales, right? It's very mm-hmm. it's, it's very very common in the in, in especially since I played in like the private games in New York City, the underground, smaller clientele. It's like like you wanted to be nice to the guys that that would lose five grand a week playing poker. Yeah. So well, like sit at that table next week, right? But also you were even friend week. like like dude, I would go out to you know dinner with people or whatever, and some of these people were nice people. Like yeah. I'm not doing anything nefarious, right? It's like right. no, I like you legitimately. You know, it's it's someone that's retired that obviously has tons of money, 
but just enjoys hanging out because they're retired or whatever. And it's like, oh, we're all going down to Atlantic City or whatever like that. We got a room in the suite. Why don't you come on down? Like, and we're hanging out and we're but like that type of shit. But I also know in the back of my head, it's like, I like this guy in my game all the time. So like, like this is also a benefit to me. He's done 150 grand over the past three months. You know? Right, right. But I mean, but to me, that's, that's more of the reason because, you know, it's very, it's, 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 too easy. I mean, it's too easy, but there's enough, there's enough sharp players on Twitter on, in social media that could easily just say, here's all the, here's all this great data that I have for the past seven years. And, uh, you know, the guy that you think is great, uh, fucking massive loser or, or, you know, the guy that you think is great fucking hasn't played in three years, played, played, you know, $10,000 worth of volume in the span of three years. So what the fuck? They're not going to do that because like, what what benefit is there? Did well, I mean truthfully? What benefit is there to do it? Wouldn't you want anyone anyone that's doing content that doesn't play is only benefiting me, right? Because giving out information that sucks, right? Should suck. Should suck, right? But I mean, sucks more than not. And then anyone that's just dumping money, why would don't I want to get them to continue dumping money? So like, why would I want to point that at? I want. I don't want to point that at the table, at the poker table. Hey, you got. You're a horrible player. I mean, it's to me. It's a, it's the same mentality. Now the pro, the thing is, is that a lot of a lot of these the the, guy, the big lifetime losers in DFS. I'm not playing in those. I'm not really playing in those contests a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, but to me, to me, that's the reason why that doesn't exist. And without that, like, what what's the, what's the scoreboard? Because to me, whenever anyone like beats their chest over like scoreboard. It's like my, my, my number one response is show me your rotor tracker. Yeah. Like you show me, like, I don't mind showing my rotor tracker. Here it is. And yeah, I'm a mid stakes player, right? Oh, I, I, like someone, someone called, called me out fucking like, like three weeks ago. (laughs) Is it such a brag that you only want a half a million dollars in six years? And I'm like, like like to most people that play $90,000 a year is pretty fucking good. I mean, like, like I'm not trying to brag. I'm just showing this is what my results are. And 91% of people, 92% of people do not make money lifetime playing DFS. So this is... Let alone that much money. Right. Let alone that much money. What's the the proportion of players that made that? That wasn't just a, I binked the Millie once. Right. But but what would the scoreboard be then? Like you say that the Super League, like how how do you get get away from, like realistically it should be what you're talking about, a shark scope type of thing. Sure. But how could it be something where where there actually is like like there are winners and losers that it could be, you know, that, that or does that not exist? It's just like we play DFS the way we play DFS and just giant squid has a screen has a has a win and like, there you go, okay. Great Poupon or whatever his name is, right? That boom, there, there you go. Like So I it, it's not even necessarily so much of a scoreboard. It may be just like a set of, almost like a set of checks and balances where I'm, and I'm mostly just saying I'm surprised because all it takes is one person. This data is so readily available and we're generally in an industry of people that can massage data pretty quickly. This can get put together in very little amount of time, particularly from DraftKings. Also, also people don't real also people don't realize this data is also shared privately amongst people. Also true. Uh, some of these questions are known answers <laughs> right. um, that you don't have to. Right. Do that that, that's why uh, I understand what you're saying. It's like, how come this has not been published? 
Right. So many people know this information that I'm surprised that it hasn't just become a thing. But uh, what's the is excellent eight? Is that the the DraftKings tournament on for the NBA? I play more on FanDuel. I think. Yeah, but now it's eighteen dollars. It used to be the it used to be an eight dollar contest. I don't know something in that. Uh, we can use the slant as the proxy from the NFL, but I think that's a bad example because you only get seventeen, well, eighteen of them now. But, but like whatever the a slant equivalent is on DraftKings over the course of the NBA season, I'd love to know because I don't care if someone won three times, but you know, didn't have any seconds or thirds or fourth, but somebody finished second, third, and fourth. Like, I don't I don't care too much about that. I'd like to know who's constantly putting lineups into the best section of that contest. How quick, how much, how frequently are most people hitting that 1% threshold or hitting the, even if you just want to like lump it into generic top tens, because I think we're probably in the same boat here. The difference between finishing first and second is nothing that you can actually control any way, shape, or form. You do just get more money for the first. You're not better or worse for finishing first or second. I don't think that there's a distinction there. I'm surprised that someone hasn't just aggregated all of that information to say like, oh, so-and-so is hitting 1.9% of 1% lineups in his contest, in this contest that has what amounts to the exact same people in it from a 150 max perspective every single day for six months i think you create a pretty good cross-section of what a like power rankings of dfs could look like for that particular style too because that's one thing people think it's just all the same thing there's a very big difference i think from saying that you're a great 150 max player to being a great cash player different setup different small field single entry gpps i mean like everything's different right you can you can have this for a couple different spots, but I would love to see just a basic profile. I don't, the, the winnings portion of it is certainly good. You don't want to find out that the content that you've been watching, this guy's taken a bath from 2016 to 2021, but I think it's there to find out like, what are people actually doing? And I think it leads, it could lead. I, I tend to agree with you that you don't want to point out the negatives, but I think it could lead to just generally better content in general and get you away from the the picks mentality of what so many people want videos to be. Yeah, but what's the what's but still what's the benefit of like, oh the benefit is how much traction can that particular website get from the person that does it? I'm yeah, not saying I, it's a benefit I, I, I don't, to anybody I, I, other I just, than the person that does it. I just think it's too too. I don't think people give a shit enough. You don't think people would want to check standings regularly? Not like that. I, I, I've always thought this would be something that the sites would do. So have, have a professional league. So essentially every season or, or every year or every three months, like there's a hundred, there's a, you have a hundred players and they pick and they choose and it, they can choose any arbitrary way they fucking want to, right? Cause it's their, their site. It's a closed thing. So it's a hundred of these guys. So you maybe you, ha- you have, and it's a single entry, hundred hundred people, and they compete. Every, there's a schedule, even sure, right? Oh, so so we're talking that that's a to me that's also something one that I think I'm very surprised that has never happened. But to me, I see that a little bit differently than the just the tracking of everything that we've had. Right, but I'm talking that you have to have some type of structure. If you, if, instead of saying like, well, if you won a milli, you qualify for this tournament of champions. And if you qualify for this live, like I, I prefer the, you pick a hundred people and you play, and you're going to play 50 events over the course of a year. 
And it may you may have all four golf majors. You may have, you know, uh, two MMA cards. You may have like 10 NBA slates, 10 MLB slates, maybe the entire NFL season, maybe because it's so popular NFL, you know, all the weeks. And that's and that's the season of DFS. So and basically then, the, the, the Empire Maker Osimo challenge from a year ago or whenever right. the hell that was in the Thunderdomes for but larger scale. Right. And, and and it's a non-entry fee thing because you're invited. A hundred people yeah. are invited. And you play 50 and it's the you get points for each part of this, just like you would in a payout structure. And then whoever and then obviously at the end of the the season, you know, it's, you know, whatever, 100,000 to first to 50, you know, whatever the payout structure on the points are. And then the bottom, like the bottom 20 people, like get relegated. Yep. And then they get, they bring, you know, whatever. And then they bring 20 new people. They go, they look throughout the tour, who's won Millie Makers, who, and, and also obviously they have a PR department. So it's like, if they're going to do the idea where, you know, you go on Twitch and stream, they want personality people. Yep. So maybe they grab some, you know, people that play well. It, it still has to be good, profitable players, but just like, yeah. okay, they're a good personality on Twitch and whatever. And then you run that again. And then that's, that's the... That's the, that's, that's the scoreboard. That's, I need, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a convoluted, it's not, it's not truly who the best player is, but it's kind of like the pro, it's like, oh, if, if it's, it would mean a big deal. If you're one of the hundred people in the pro league, like that's, that's a, that's a star you could put on yourself. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the professional DraftKings player yeah. and it's I'm like prof- it's like the, the team that wins the super bowl isn't necessarily the best team in the nfl right and i think that's the same sort of distinction you don't nece- it doesn't necessarily make you the best player but it does a lot, much better job than the nothing that we currently offer. right and if you're on an nfl team like you're at least on an nfl team like you get yep like you have to be a good football player to be on an nfl team yes. right you have to be a good basketball player you could be the 12th guy on the basketball team but you're still the 12th guy on an nba basketball team Exactly. Right type of thing, so I think there's so some prestige there also. Because obviously, someone at FanDuel and DraftKings has had to have this conversation before, and probably multiple times. There had to be pushback, right? Or did it exist already? Well, I think maybe there was pushback to... because the, I, I, I think the, I think both sites, especially DraftKings, don't don't, what for DFS purposes at least, never thought more than three months in advance there. So it's a, to me, also, I mean, now they probably don't care at all. Right. Because it's not sports betting. (laughs) Right. It's not casino. So it's not really, that's where it's sports betting is is something that would have needed to happen three years ago. Right. No, no, this would have to be something that would happen like six or seven years ago. Sure. Right. But that would, I I still think it should. I still think, right. I still think it should also, but I, I think the main thing is that now I think, the the number one op, uh, uh, obstacle for that, and you you've seen when DraftKings tries to do content, is that it has to, it, you either have to do it you have to be all in on doing that, mm-hmm. or people will not be people are, are will care about their own lineups more than someone else's lineup. So you can't come from the approach of that. You have to come from the approach of you have to build personalities. Absolutely. It's it's not it, you, you don't care that net, net, like the World Series of Poker in 2003 like it was not about how good of a pl- have of a player Sammy Farha was 
It was no, it no. was the cigar. It was the character. Obviously, these are all good enough players that they advanced in the WSOP. But you had, you know, the professor, Howard Letterer. Like, he didn't have much of a personality, but they made him into a personality. They made Chris Ferguson into a person. They... So, but you have to you have to have some type of long term vision to think like that. The problem is, is that uh, truthfully in DFS, uh, a lot of the top players don't have a personality. <laughs> that's a true statement. Or maybe maybe that's not even the best way to say it. It's it's not just it's not necessarily immediately conducive to like hosting and running a video. You know right. what I mean? Like it's they do. But this is a very different, I'm not me in real life the way that I am on this camera. I am more right now than I used to be because I think it's just easier, but you have to be up more. There's an energy that you have to provide. Otherwise, no one really wants to watch. So like I have to be a more animated or more active speaker. I'm not... I can't be that twenty four seven. It's it's a very much calmer demeanor. It's exhausting. Speaking. It's exhausting. Yeah, you have to get, especially like six thirty a.m. show. I have to mentally think about getting. I'm, I've been awake for an hour before that show starts. I have to mentally think about knowing that people are watching me, pushing my voice out further, thinking about being active on that stream. Otherwise, if it's just me slumped, typing with which was 2016 Josh videos, I look back at it and it's just like, why did anyone keep watching this? I'm <laughs> not exciting to watch. And now I think about it in such a different manner where it's, I don't want to say that I'm being phony on this stream because that's not true. I just have to elevate my baseline so that I can keep you engaged because the goal for me is to make sure that you don't turn this stream off when it starts. Now, the best way to put it, because I mean, I did stand up for 15 years is that I am who I am, but on stage, I'm an exaggerated version of myself. Yes. Right? Exactly. So like, so like, a am I a sarcastic asshole in real life? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I kind of am. But I'm not, yeah, am I, I blunt in real life? Yes. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not a dick. Most people, like my wife, even my wife says, my like, like, like you, like you, you on the show, you, you put off, like, you, you know, people real, you know, you're much nicer than you, that people think that you are. I go, I know. But it's more entertaining for me to be like this. Yeah, it's more entertaining I'm not speaking to like a stranger at the grocery store this way, right? Uh, but but just in real life in general, like just hanging out with, like you know, I was at the RG uh, Super Bowl party. Like I'm just a normal. I'm I'm not like, hey, you're stupid. Fuck you. What I like, yeah, I'm not. No, right. that's that's this is this is uh, yes, I, that is my personality. But it's not like like. I'm not going around like go, that's. I'm not right. I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm, look, I'm not looking to provide that feedback to people. Right. But but on a stream, why not have a Saturday stream and call it Stupid Saturday? Answer stupid fucking questions and people people like showing up and and seeing me yell yes. at people for being stupid. And it's like, do you really think they're stupid? It's like I'm I'm getting or people people Probably. on my YouTube channel go, you really got to tone down in your anger management. I go, I'm not really angry. Do you I'm not understand angry, yeah. that I'm not angry at all? Like I'm just, like, I'm just, I'm just when trying this camera to entertain goes off, Like I'm not, I'm not taking this with me. I'm not right. stewing about it on the couch after this or like having to go to a vent session or a therapist. No, this, this is, it ends when you click stop streaming. Like it's right. not, I'm not taking this stream with me. That's insanity. Right. Just like People it's think like, Oh, are you worried about the, a lot of trolls are out to get you in the chat? It's like, I, 
I could not care. It's hilarious to me <laughs> that someone would take the time out of their day to even care. I'll get people showing up now. I, I, I don't know who this is. If you are listening to this, you've been doing this gimmick for three years now. They call me a Chinese spy. This is just, this is just one guy pops in, bots. Josh Engelman is a Chinese spy. <laughs> Ban that. Recreates another one over and over and over again. This has been multiple years now. To, to think that I have somehow affected someone's life so much that I just come on here and talk about sports and they're like, oh, Josh is on. Got to make a fake YouTube account to just call him a Chinese spy and chat. That's a thing that someone does on their like in their free time. I can't imagine caring about someone that much. But why a Chinese spy? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But it, but it's very similar like in, in stand-up, like after a show – like hanging out with people from the crowd or something at the bar or whatever, or people ask and it's like, oh, you're, you're not as funny in real life. Like they, they think that I'm just, here's a, like, no, that's, these are, this is prepared material that I'm doing as a performance. Like, it doesn't mean I'm not a funny guy off the stage. It's just that like what you saw is my job and what you're seeing now is me as a person. Uh, I'm not in the mental, you know how mentally exhausting it is to have to act on the moment to stuff like that on stage. Like, I don't want to have, this is just me. If I say something funny, it's just, it's organically like that, but I have no problem talking about fucking sports or video games or like you, 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 you meet a bunch of comedians like the state of the state of comedy community. To me, I view as the, the smartest community I've ever been involved because in, you have to be sense. smart in order to do stand up. just the, yeah. the, the, the performance and writing aspect of it. Most comics, when they hang out they're we're, we're talking about politics or, or the, the books and literature and some type of philosophical thing. And the, the reason that, and uh, what makes uh, stand-up comics great is that uh, it is the most objective. We are the, we, I'm saying we, I haven't done stand-up in five years, uh, but uh, most objective people. There's no such thing as like, there's no offense. It's just like, yeah. it's like, and, Everything is up to a debate. If you want to argue that the, the Holocaust was great for the like, what's the argument? I mean, because we're yep. just viewing everything from a very objective, because that's how you treat all comedy writing. It's like, like all comics, like no, like, dude, people have done, like, I've, I've heard people, you know, do like Jewish humor, right? Like Holocaust jokes. It's like, dude, yeah. you know, you know, the comics that love the Holocaust jokes the most? The Jewish comics. Yeah. Because as long as yeah. it, if it's a really good joke, we're going to say that's a really good joke because yeah. you're saying it as a joke. It has nothing to do with your actual feelings behind anything. So when comics yeah. hang out, it's like- I've seen Patrice can... talk about that a lot. Like right. It's, it's coming from the right place. Mm. It was never meant to be any, if that's a very, it's all a very different statement. Like reading someone's comedy set and watching them perform said comedy set are two very different experiences. Right. Reading it is horrific. Watching them <laughs> perform it, where you understand that none of that is coming from a serious place, very, very different. Like, I've, I've heard, I've seen uh, Anthony Jeselnik talk about how people think that he's going to be this like garbage human being when they meet him. And he's just like, I'm just doing my job here of entertaining you. I don't speak like that. Like, I can for, you know, dummies. But I'm not going to speak like this to general people. I'm not telling random people at the store like dead baby jokes. That's not a thing that's happening here. Like I'm just a guy, man. What, like we don't have to act like every single spoken word 
people just throw intent in the garbage nowadays. And that's like the most important piece of anything that anybody's saying. Right. Especially those comics like Jezelnik is just a great one liner joke writer that yeah. writes evil. And that's his personality on stage, but off stage, he's just a normal. It's just that that's not, that's not him. That's just his no, character. That's not his personal creed. Right. Like, he's not, they're not opinions. They're jokes. Right. Or just obviously, even when Bill Chappelle's into it right now. Right. Or Bill Burr rants about something. Sure. It sounds natural. All he's doing is finding something to rant about and just like, where's the, in his head, it's, it's, where's the angle? It doesn't, it, it's not, what do I believe? It's, where's the angle? And I'll just be angry about something for no apparent reason. And people are like, well, Bill Burr said something bad about whatever. It's like, no, he's just, he's just coming up with comedy material. Like that's yeah. that's all. Well, there has to be a little bit of truth involved. Real? Why? Why are we looking so much further into this? Or even on Twitter, dude. Most of DFS Twitter is fucking lulls, right? Yeah. yeah. People take shit offense. I mean, like when oh you said someone said something. I get DMs. Someone said something bad about you. Said it's fucking draft cheat. What? What do I care? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, of course he did. Or of course, I mean, I don't take anything of what he says seriously. So no. why do you take anything that I, or, or like, oh, you didn't mention this. Why didn't you just say, oh, you were like, it's like a, it's this macho contest. It's like, dude, it's Twitter. Like, yeah. and, or, or, oh, you blocked that guy. You got offended by it. It's like, no, no, I just don't like getting notifications where I don't like getting notifications. It's like, well, don't you think it's bad? It's my Twitter. I could block whoever the fuck I want. Like when you, well, when you read it and then you read their previous 15 tweets, it's just like, oh, this person's never going to come to me with anything that I'll need to see ever right. again. Goodbye. Right. That's fine. You hit me with a good joke. I'm in. I'm. I might follow you at that particular. I. I don't mind people taking shots at me. You should. It's fun. I. As long as you don't like actually want to kill me, I'm in for it all. Right. Whenever I start a tweet with imagine, it's a joke. Right. <laughs> exactly. Imagine not playing. And we mentioned that to one percent on guy. And but we know people that say that seriously. Yes. Uh, that's that's why I'm. Ju that's why mine is a joke. Like that's the reason. <sighs> I'm saying it, right? Yeah, there's a reason that person was one percent owned, right? But no, but I'll I'll get replies back saying saying, oh, you're bragging that you played. Like, no, I didn't even play the guy. The yeah. joke, the I'm, tweet I'm is zero. a joke. It's a joke, people. It's a goddamn joke. <laughs> Nobody, you're not allowed to joke anymore. 2021 is different. They, no, they you get canceled. Away. Right? Yeah. Apparently, because uh, appa apparently, no, because what happened? What three three weeks ago? Whatever. Apparently, I was defending Henry Ruggs. Right. <laughs> Because I because I, I okay. tweeted because I, I tweeted out the fact that 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 police reports should not be taken at face value because they could be written in any way, and I just found it odd that they wrote that he appeared to be into like, well that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I point and I turns pointed out, yeah. out turns out yes, <laughs> right? It turns out yes, but I just I was making fun of the fact that like like the police read that probably in the day and age of George Floyd. Police reports should be a little bit more specific, especially when dealing with with uh, twenty two year old uh, persons of color. That yeah. people jump to the right, just like that's all I was saying. And to be like, oh, you're fucking defending a drunk driving murderer or whatever. Like, like no, I that's that's not what I was saying. And, and I was I wasn't even making a joke there. So like, people weren't even that. I, all, all I did, all, all you have to do after that like type of thing is like anytime you go to open up your Twitter app, you just go, just yeah, just never tweet, just just yep, don't even never tweet, just, just never tweet. It, it doesn't doesn't do anything. It's not going to get you anywhere. 
No, it gets your followers. It does. It, it, it certainly does. It certainly does. I've had that discussion on with Adam uh, earlier today. He has since passed me in the Twitter follower account, and I can't run him down, and it bothers me, but I'm never going to be up at midnight arguing with people. So I, I need that second set. I don't have the night crowd that he's been gathering over these past few months. So I need to, I need a different push. But don't you find that DFS is the weirdest, the, uh, that everything goes the other way? The more you argue with people, the more the more that they want to play you, and the more that followers, it's like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like, like, dude, like, if you don't like what I'm saying, why are you following me? It's like, well, because I like arguing with you. Like, what? what? <laughs> I don't follow people that I want to argue with. I don't follow nope. them. <laughs> right. it, it, that's like every medium of everything in Ever. the world. Right. Yeah. Oh, the, you don't like the Dave Chappelle stand-up special? Congratulations. You don't have to press play on that. There's a lot of content out there that I don't consume. Yeah, like, but, but, but these, these people... These people aren't just watching his special. They're going, I'm going to watch his entire back catalog to hate watch it. And I'm like, why are well, you actually, doing What those people are really doing is also not watching the special. Right. But that's a, that's a bigger decision. But don't, don't you get the sense of that sometimes with DFS content? I feel like some people watch the shows that I on just, just because they don't agree with, what I, with, with anything of what I talk about. I unquestionably have a large swath of people that show up to argue with just me specifically because I'm me. I, I can picture the names in my chat pretty easily. <laughs> but that's a dra- but you become you become a draw but it, like it doesn't make any sense it like it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand. I wish they understood how little I cared. And what is don't. it that, uh, but do you think they're doing it because they think that you care? Because I think I, they do it because they think that it probably has to get to me. Are you sure? A about lo- most most. Yeah. Is that the, I, I mean, because I see people do that in politics and I don't get that either. Like people, like people, like you'll have like liberals that will like purposely like, like what, like listen to Sean Hannity or something. Like why, why are you, like why are you wasting the, what's the purpose of that? I think a lot of people just want to watch and like argue with whatever they see. <laughs> I, I really do. Th- I really think a, like we're, we're talking about a small percentage here. Like. I don't want to really rag on like our YouTube chat because 99% of the people that are showing up a chat basically just want a one v one answer. They're all great people. I have no problem with it. Right. The one percent that like has a problem, I honestly think that they think they're gonna, especially if I acknowledge it. Which most times I'm trying to acknowledge it because I feel like I've got a more creative barb than whatever they came mm. up with to go over the top of it. But I don't. I think they actually think that this is like something that sticks in my craw. And the moment I get away from my desk, I'll never think about that person again until they just show up in YouTube chat again. Like, I don't care. When I get away from this computer, I'm just doing something else. Whatever that happens to be at that particular moment. The last thing I'm thinking is, I cannot believe that YouTube guy, you know, <laughs> called me something in chat. It's just, I don't care, man. It's, I cannot care about an individual that I'll never see. Well, there's one thing that I, the only thing that I don't like is is the Twitter replies. Only because I don't notifi- do enough on Twitter. Only because of notifications, and it's and people said, well, why don't you just turn off the notifications? Like, well, then I can't answer the, pe- the I can't answer the ninety five percent of people that I don't that I yeah I enjoy con- conversing with. So like right. like the only way for me to stop your fucking notifications is to fucking block you. Yep. Right. 
right? So like, if someone's gonna like, oh, you're you're a shithead, blah 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 blah, and then <laughs> then three minutes later, you have mother da, 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 like, couldn't you have just done that in one tweet? I mean, like, yeah, couldn't you have condensed? I mean, some of the uh, but one thing you learn in comedy writing is you've got an economy of words. Economy of words, right? <laughs> Come on, let's let's get that entire insult into one tweet, please. Like, so I only get one little ching on my phone. That's perfectly fine. No, no, uh, no Twitter alerts for me. Nothing, nothing there. So I don't right. have to worry about it too much. But, but I don't. I, but I mean, I on Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm usually only tweeting my content or like something about whatever I just like. If something happens in an NBA game, right? I'm rarely putting anything else out there. Probably to save myself. Um, just to avoid me saying something that I probably shouldn't. Right. I've said plenty of stuff that I probably shouldn't. I've deleted all of them. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to. I feel a lot better about it now than I would have probably a couple of years ago. Whereas I don't, I'd be very surprised if I ever saw myself in like the cubicle life again, where I don't really feel like I need to scrub my past as much as I would have previously. Now it's just like, oh, I can, if I can be my own boss, then I don't have to really answer to anybody. And I, it's not as if I'm coming out here saying like really, really bad nonsense, but I don't feel the pressure any longer now that I've been doing this for so long, a career that I never saw coming. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe DraftKings will find something in your past so you don't get invited to the Super League. Uh, see, I'm the I'm the guy that they should invite to the Super League. They want the good content. What else? Right. Where else? But there should going? be divisions. There should be divisions, right? Well, you know, let me play my way into it. Uh, right. Should I be playing against Alex? No, absolutely not. But you know, let me get let me get promoted a couple times. Let me be Leicester City. I want to be the Jamie Vardy of this bad boy. Right. You want to be in the Mini Max division? Yes. Right. There's like a yes. Mini Max division and all and all that type of thing. You have a hundred people there. A hundred people there. And there you go. And then I'm in for that. Right. I'm in for that for sure. That's the problem with DFS. I don't really love it. <laughs> I hate the feeling. I don't enjoy sweats. Like none of that is fun for me, generally speaking. So why do you do I it? I love I love being a nerd in a spreadsheet. Really? More than anything else. I love the preparation of it all more than I like the actual DFS aspect. I really I, do. I'm, I'm the I'm the opposite. I I like I like the content aspect of it more than the play. Yeah. Well, uh, same for me, uh, same for me. Both both pieces of it. My preparation, being trying to create the best product that I can in Excel. Like if that's my NBA projections, trying to make that as good as I possibly can. I love. And obviously, the test case for that is how am I performing. Because if it's not well, then probably whatever my inputs are probably aren't that good to begin with. But there's something fun about like I rebuild my NBA workbook every single year from scratch at the beginning of the season. It has evolved over seven plus years. I love doing that more than I like anything else about DFS. I love making videos now way more than I like any part of entering a DFS contest. If I could, I would probably not really play and only do content, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, like, no one should watch me then. <laughs> right, right. It wouldn't make sense to watch. And also, you're not going to make enough money to do it that way anyway. Correct. I, I make I make enough money playing DFS. It's just that the swings are big. That just doing content would not, I mean, but I, I, my if natural. If I just did content, my life would be fine. 
everything would be cool if I didn't have a cent from DFS. I really enjoy having additional money from DFS to spend on really random nonsense. <laughs> I want to be able to just be like, okay, well, we're going to so like we're going to random place for the next four days. I rented a house. Let's just go do this. Oh, I bought a new MacBook because I don't care. Like I just wanted to hit a GPP. Let's spend this money on a Peloton bike and something else. I love throwing anything that I do at DFS at totally random stuff. That's that's what DFS is for me. Fully disposable income that I don't care about at all. Now I, I, I'm I'm less like that. I mean. But I mean, I don't mind spending. I don't mind spending the money. My wife definitely doesn't mind spending the money. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but I'm but I'm very similar. It's like 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 I, I've gotten back into wrestling the past year, and it's like you know one AEW, thing I've never. I assume. What? You're watching AEW. I assume. Yeah, yeah, because WWE is horrible. But yeah, so uh, we're doing the exact same thing over this past year, then. Right, because when COVID hit, I'm like, I have nothing to watch. Let me go back and uh, watch the Attitude Era stuff and. That WWE Network has all this stuff or whatever, and then kind of got back into it. And I'm like, what's going on yeah. with the current stuff? But you know, one thing I never, I've never done, gone to WrestleMania. So I said, fuck it, I could go to WrestleMania. Let's go to WrestleMania. Exactly. My, right. My wife says, you know, and and she's into it now also. So we went oh, to we went to Dynamite last week in Indianapolis, and she said nice. it appealed because she's she's gone to like she's was being into the TV show Supernatural, and okay. she's gone to Supernatural conventions. Like she's oh. into that type of culture. But she never viewed wrestling as that type of culture. I go, no, it is. It is exactly that type of culture. So she goes to the judge. It's like it's the three things that she likes the most. She likes the the fan merchandise, mm-hmm. like the the pins and the shirts and the signs and everything. She likes the chants, yeah. right? Or the organic very, stuff. Very soccer, right? Very soccerish, and and uh, and uh, the attractive people, right? Yeah. In the ring, right? I mean, just like. Like other than that, and and the ac- and the acrobatics, it's like I like all the type of whatever, and then the story, and then you put the storyline, the attention to detail into the storylines. So good, right? So but good. I'm just saying, but if, if it wasn't for DFS, it wasn't like I don't have like a like I could just I could tell Auto Grinders I can't do a show for for four days, and okay, <laughs> like and then like one thing I I've never gone to WrestleMania. We want to go to WrestleMania, okay? I, I bought the package. We're going to four days and all the all access to okay. Whatever, that's our vacation. We normally go on something else, and yep. there you go. That's what that, I want. That that's that's what DFS is to me. Like just being able to say, all right, we're we're just going to go to WrestleMania because I have X amount of money. Right, I got five I grand that it could just go yep. boof. Right. Yeah, done. I don't have to pay attention to it again. That's that's fine by me. If if I if I didn't if I didn't win another cent, and I don't mean like I also don't I'm not actively losing while it happens too, because clearly you've got to fund it somehow. If it if I just couldn't play DFS for some strange reason, but I can keep doing content, I would probably be happier just in general. I would ex- I would expect my baseline happiness to be somewhere slightly higher. I would still want to play. I still want to play DFS. I still I. I like the intellectual. I still. I, I too much like. I'm a games player to begin with. I like yeah. the. I like the feeling of using your own intellect to win at something that involves a reward, not just for pride. Absolutely, and I, I'm totally with you there. And I guess I probably underrate how well a win feels. 
Because it doesn't happen that off, often. Because it doesn't happen that often. To offset all of those incremental, I don't feel great because I didn't have a winning days. Because look, when you wake up and you don't have a winning day, it's not like it's changing your day or dragging you into the mud or anything like that. But you definitely don't feel as good as you would have felt if that number were slightly different. It's just human nature to see I lost, shoulders just shrug just a little bit, just a little bit. I probably don't, I probably don't think about the wins offsetting that enough. And I think that might be my issue. I don't, maybe that's just like the natural pessimist in me that I can't feel as happy about the good moments as I can feel as sad about the bad ones. But I, there's just something about like nerding out in a spreadsheet to change a rebound rate by a half percent that that is just more appealing to me than doing a, sh or like to enter a, GPP. Yeah, but if what you're doing in the spreadsheet doesn't 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 lead to a reward for being correct or whatever, then it seems like what's the purpose of like I I, I set up an MMA spreadsheet every week for uh -huh. for me to do lineups, but it's like I wouldn't if I wasn't playing MMA, like I wouldn't be doing that. I mean, what was what would be the I'm purpose of doing? Probably just speaking NBA specifically because I, that is the one that I want to put the most work into. But I would be happy if I just grabbed all of the readily available projections in the industry tracked them and saw how well I did in comparison to them. If I was better than that, or like in that, not the worst even would probably be just enough for me to be like, okay, like what I'm doing is functionally correct. Yeah. But what reward are you getting? Like that, this, 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 uh, to me, it's a philosoph maybe it's a philosophical question. Cause I don't get like, for instance, like Josh Hermsmeyer. Yeah. Like, like I, like, I'm not saying anything bad about Josh. It's just that I don't get, if if you're good at what you do, why wouldn't you want to get financially rewarded for it? So like, like that, that's, that's like what, there needs to be some purpose. Like, so I want to be financially rewarded for it, for sure. I do tend to think that, I, I mean, maybe I equate that a little bit with getting paid to do content. Like, like, a, you know, that is sort of my, I get financially rewarded to do the thing I like the most, which is just like updating Excel spreadsheets in theory, in my mind, that's what I'm getting paid to do. Talking is like a bonus to me. The fact that I get to do a bunch of videos every day and just talk about the things that I prepared is ludicrous to me. The, I, I don't understand how I get paid to do that. I don't understand how anybody wants to watch that. The fact that that has become my career is not something that I ever saw happening five years ago. Something like that didn't exist at all to me. Never even thought it was going to happen. So it's not like I, I like the, the feeling of getting the win, but like I, I've never needed it. I don't, I don't really like, even though I know, generally speaking, whatever I'm entering, you'd say for like maybe just straight jamming into soccer contests, I know that I'm profitable. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to win X amount of money on any individual entry that I put in. I don't really like the feeling of having to wait to see how it comes out. I don't do well with that anxiety. It's not, like, it's not an enjoyable experience to me. And given the fact that I, the weight, it probably wouldn't hurt if I played contests to make me feel better more frequently. Um, instead, I am the full-on jam into the largest field contest that I can find and deal with gigantic swings because that's the type of contest that it's that it is. That's probably also not smart for me. I should right, be but I think that I think that's the, I think that's maybe the difference though. Is that yeah. like that? That's why I I mean I I'm I'm a self-professed nit. 
like that of like, I don't go through dramatic, as much dramatic swims as anyone else. Cause yeah. if I don't like a contest, I don't play it. Or if, if there's a, you know, the, the, the excellent eights or whatever, I may be only playing 50 lineups into it. I may only be playing 30 lineups and maybe, maybe I decide that day to just play the single entry content. I mean, like, like I'm playing a very small percentage of my bankroll per slate. So mm. maybe those downs that you feel yeah, like on a daily basis, like, I don't feel those downs as much because it's like what well, I lost a half a percent of my bank. I mean, like, like I, yeah. I'm it's doesn't it doesn't make that much of a dramatic effect to me that in NFL it does only because I'm playing more of my bankroll in NFL and it's only pretty much once a week outside of some right. showdowns. So yeah. that that's right. I've had awesome. to adjust to. But on an NBA sure. basis on MLB, when you're playing every day, it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't be playing that high volume that like the vo if even though it may be from a financial sense, like from a Kelly criterion type of sense, it's fine to play X amount of volume based on your perceived edge. Yep. But if you don't like, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, maybe, I mean, that's, I mean, essentially that's what I do. It's like, I'm going to play at a lower volume that I, I feel much better when my risk of ruin is close to zero. Mm-hmm more so than care about how much I could win if I jam, yeah. right? So that should be what I do. Right, that should be what you do. Yeah, it is, but, un- but, yeah, it but is it isn't. not what I do. Well, but why not? Why do you feel the need to have to jam in 150 entries into contests today? I think it's fun. But I thought you said it's not fun. <laughs> it's fun for me. It's fun until lock. It's fun, fun to put the 150 together. But yes. it's not fun after lock of like I seeing love, the results. Of I that. love running crunches and seeing what my exposures look like and comparing that to public of ownership and seeing do okay this guy I'm getting thirty percent of this one percent guy I need to slightly increase his ownership just like from in my once I get to my Excel sheet slightly increase his ownership or slightly decrease his projection to make him you know not be a thirty to one uh play in that particular spot maybe depending on like the rest of that individual example doesn't matter at all i love the prep at seven o'clock i could uh, like this is why i loved fanduel so much i hate late swap i wanted to set my lineups at seven o'clock throw my phone away and then just be done with the day and wake up the next morning and do it all again and i don't care to know how any of it played out from 701 until the next morning i want to go back and look and figure out what happened, why it happened, what did other people do. I don't care about any of it while it's happening, which I feel like I am missing out on the best part of it all. But why do, if 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 you don't want the, the the risk though, why don't why don't you make your 150 lineups? Don't enter them. Then mm-hmm. download the CSV of the large field contest and score all of your lineups and see where what you so you have no risk, but you're still getting the the satisfaction. Like, to me, that's no fun because, like, what's the point of doing the work if you're not going to get the reward? But maybe for you, it's like, I'm just, you're you're literally going to play DFS for no money. And and you'll have a fictional bankroll and a fictional roto tracker. And at the end of the year, it's like, I'm, I'm fictionally up $86,000. Pay attention to me. I will have a fictional level of respect in this industry too. At that point, <laughs> that's I'm, I'm I'm putting I'm putting that the title of the episode. That's fair. That's F- fair. I don't mind. It, it's but it is true though. Like I, I wouldn't miss it if I couldn't play. Like if they took it away somehow in North Carolina, if I had to, 
you know, VPN it or something to maintain people knowing that I'm in a contest, that's fine. I wouldn't miss it in the, I wouldn't miss it at all. I would love to just continue to talk about the NBA and NBA DFS if I could. If people consider, if people would consider it credible, I would love to continue to do it. I don't think I would consider it credible. But what happens if DFS went away in its entirety? Well, I would need a new job. <laughs> sports betting, sports betting, tout, sports betting touting seems pretty easy. <laughs> that to me, to I, me, I mean, to, it's to the me, same thing. No, no, to Josh, I think to me, I think sports sports betting content is ten times worse than DFS content. Uh, the large majority of it, I agree. I would right. provide, I would do the same sports betting content that I would do for DFS. Right. I would just be like, okay, well, this is a, this is how I have it projected. This is what my model says. I've got my bet wins fifty five percent of the time. The odds are saying fifty three and a half. So based on this edge at a quarter Kelly, this is what I'm going to bet. That I would I would have to do it the exact same way. Also, probably not super interesting content to most people. And more often than not, what you're really looking for in sports betting is a stale line somewhere. Right. And but and but the problem is that when you find the stale line, every it's it's that paradox that that if you understand sports betting that that you don't get, people don't get is like if you're if you find the stale line, you would want to benefit it from it first. And by the time I tell it to you, it's gone. So yeah. like what 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 are you gaining from what I'm telling you because I should be taking advantage of it and then if I take the sta- if I say this is a stale line I'm betting fictionally I hate the units yeah uh, I'm betting yeah. X amount on it if the line doesn't move that means I'm the schmuck right so the content Probably. I'm giving you is is bad to begin with so like yeah. to me there's no sports betting content that could be possible that is credible. I think you might be able to do something in that vein with a small community, you know, you're paying some sort of fee into like a Patreon of some sort. You have a very, you have a limited access where you can't just anybody that wants to pay to get in gets there so that at least some people can attack the same thing that you do when you do it. You can't, I, I don't know how, it's certainly very difficult to provide anything at any sort of large scale because by the time you're putting that information out, it's either gone or wrong. And it, again, it depends on, are we talking player props or are we talking NFL sides? Because if we're talking like NFL sides, I don't want to read that shit ever. Right. That's a nonsense. No, product. but I, I think the content that would be useful is more educational based. Yep. Like the content. Just like but- DFS though. No, but not necessarily. I, I mean, I, I would think it's more, uh, it's not, it's, it's evergreen, more evergreen type of stuff. I think like, yeah, the, okay, I like, see what you mean. Yeah. like, like it's more of the fact of, uh, of videos and whatever, like what, what's closing line value. I mean, like what, 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 like just like what's hold, what's up, what, what, what does hold percentage mean? I mean, like, like to me, to, it's, it's funny. These are these to me. I consider these basic things. Yeah. So it shocks me when ninety-five percent of people that sports bet have never heard of these terms. And I'm not. And I don't bet on sport. And the thing is, is that I don't even bet on sports. It's like it's like someone that it's like if you play poker and it's like, well, I don't play uh, deuce. Uh, I don't play two to seven low ball. But I know how to play, dude. It's just that it's not a game that I focus on. I probably don't know the really nuances, but. If you put me, if you put me in a, in a, a low ball, you know, and triple draw, whatever, like 
against nine schmucks. Like I could okay. probably beat them, even though I barely ever play the like that. To me, that's what I consider the sports betting stuff. Of like, if you're good at DFS, you understand these mathematical concepts of like yeah. how this is all I mean, how this all works. That's really the intro to DFS, right? A math class, right? I mean, that's I tell, but I tell people, people I tell uh, Josh, I tell people that, and people think that I'm I'm patronizing them. I tell like, uh, Josh, I literally, I literally give them a link. I li- I give I give them links to Khan Academy. I said, you know what would help you the most being a successful DFS player? Take a probability, these probability and statistics, and statistics classes, right? Yeah. With with that with the there are there are there are eighty marbles in a jar, and how you, and, and, and like, what 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 are frequencies? What what are distributions? Mm-hmm. And 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 you know you know obviously the people that tell that never actually fucking do it, of course. Yeah. But but it's like this is how you get better. So That's to a me, real like answer. Right. How do you get better at sports betting? Take a math class. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You need to learn. Unless you are some Warren Buffett type character who's going to transcend everything, understanding the math behind all of this and assuming that you don't know, actually, you don't need to know anything about the sport you're talking about. You'll be significantly better if you stop thinking that you have any knowledge about that sport. Me thinking that I know anything about basketball is probably going to make me worse at DFS. Oh, this guy, he always owns so-and-so. It's like always, <laughs> they played three times. Right. That's a thing. It's like, why well, no, receiver cornerback matchup narrative box in my Excel box or in my Excel sheet today <laughs> to increase his projection by 5%. That's not a, I don't have that today. Marcin oh. Gort, how about Marcin Gortat on Polish Heritage Night? <laughs> that one worked. <laughs> that one worked. But yeah, it, it's that sort of stuff. It like uh, revenge narratives. It's like there's 25 of them a day in everything. And some of these guys, uh, how many revenge narratives can Ish Smith have at this point? <laughs> no, 14 NBA teams. Well, Lou Williams revenge. Right. It's like uh, have against who? <laughs> but it's a thing. If that's like the one takeaway from this, please, everybody that's listening, take a probability and statistics course. I promise you, it will make you better at DFS. It cannot make you worse. Right. And make you better at sports bet. Actually, once you take a probability and statistics course, you'll see how much, uh, how much sports, how hard it actually is to beat sports betting. And you'll also see that if you think that you can beat sports betting, that's not the hard part. Like I, I, Wait until you get limited. Right. Well, that's the well, that's the point that I'm to make. Like, really, the hardest part in sports betting is getting the money down. It's not yep. finding the finding the lines is not that difficult. It's getting the money down, and also having it being a meaningful amount of raw money. So, like, yeah, you can smash that line, but if the if the limit on that bet is fifty bucks, you're not really doing yourself any favors. Right, because the EV of the bet maybe. I mean, like, you bet fifty, and maybe you have a what a maybe you have a seven percent edge on a prop or something sure. like that. So it's like, how much is that? How, how much you with three dollars and fifty cents? I mean, like that's that's how, that's your expected return. Yeah. On that. On so, that one bet. On that have, one bet. Do you have a thousand more of those? <laughs> right. And yeah. And do you have them every day? Exactly. So so at like at what point is enough raw money going to yeah. be worth? And then you want then you once you do you understand that you you know why the top sports bettors are trying to beat sides and totals because. Those markets are very liquid that you could get money down. And even then you have problems. You have to get accounts. You got, I mean, to me, sports, 
Sports betting is not even about beating the lines. It's about beating the sports books themselves. Yeah, yeah. And partnering with people. I know this from back in the poker days. Right. Mistakes are what you're looking for at this particular moment. Right. But there's a, there's is, so much there's so much promo money out there that like yeah that right now they're just trying to acquire so many customers that if you're in a legal yeah. state whatever like dude yeah. it, I think I think if you're if you line shop and take advantage of promos it you're you're a, you're, a, you're a profitable you can be a profitable sports better and now how much raw money is that that's a different story yeah but as far as as beating you know fifty two point three percent of you know, normal VIG lines, they give you enough bonuses. They give you enough. There's enough like the boosts and stuff. And then you see one line is at minus 115. This line is at minus 107 at this other place. You get kind of that synthetic hold of zero between yep. two books, you bet. And then you can, you, then you, there you go. But to me, but what we're talking about is sports betting content. It's not the, yeah. The dolphins are gonna are not gonna do well because Tua's fingers hurt. Type of content. <laughs> that's the good stuff, though, right? That's that's what people want. How do we make people want the right stuff? What that not that the? I guess that's the name of the game, right? Not to me. To me, it's about it's about doing by example. Sure. So that I, make the. I've always believed in from from content perspective, is that just. Because how do you break into the industry type of, you know, types of things? I get emails and DMs. It's like, I want to, I want to write content. I want to do video, whatever like that. Said, said, you're not going to like the answer that I'm going to give you. Said, what you have to do is at this very moment, create the content that you want to see. Yep. And and you have to create the content and you don't have to work. Over and over and over and over. Right. Over and over again. And uh, what microphone to get? Whatever microphone you have. What yep. camera to get? Whatever camera you have. What YouTube? Yep. What banner on your YouTube channel? Who cares about a banner on your YouTube channel? All you have to do is press play yep. and talk. And most likely, five years from now, you're going to look back at that content and go, I can't believe anyone watched it. But mm-hmm. at the very moment, if you could get five people to watch it, you've succeeded. So now you're in the next day, you just want to get better and better and maybe six people watch it and then seven people watch yep. it. And then, and I then would you come and then downstairs it, every single day when I was running my stream before I went to Osimo, and I'd be like, "Honey, twenty-five people were in here today. I cannot believe that's all." I can picture clear as day being like, "I got to a hundred today," just being like, "I, what a number! Like a hundred people. I th- we we finally hit triple digits on a stream concurrent. I." I've never been like, that's the most proud moment of anything that I've ever did hitting a hundred concurrent people on a stream. And now I see like 3,500 and it's just like, huh, oh, it'd be cool if we got to four. Right. I don't, it doesn't even like bat an eye. But at that moment I was working a regular job. I was waking up super early, putting out an NBA video, coming home from work, doing a live video. And I, the, when I got to hundred, I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. At that moment, I was making no money doing it, but I was just churning it out as fast as I possibly could every single day to make sure that I was continually getting out content. And when Osimo started, I was uniquely available to be like, hey, here's my portfolio of everything that I've done, and I have a regular job for it. Uh, It it took like 48 hours before myself and Tom and Alex were just like, oh, that's, yeah, cool, in, done. Like, if you're able to work a regular job during all of this and still put out content and build 
this up, then yeah, this is exactly what we're looking for. You got to just be ready to put yourself in that position when it possibly comes up. Right. You put that. I was just going to say that the two, the two, the, the things, I mean, I I've learned it from stand up and anything that I've done uh, is like, put yourself in the position to get opportunities. Yep. So hanging at like one of the things that like in stand up comedy, if you didn't have a spot, if you don't have a spot, I mean, I was in New York city, so there's a lot of clubs or whatever yep. said you, you're, go you're going to hang out. And they go, well, what happens if you don't have a spot? You're just going to hang out at the comic strip for three and a half hours or whatever? Yes, because you're putting yourself in the position to get opportunity. Like, dude, you know how many you know how many times that you know someone doesn't show up for their shows up late for their spot, and then come here, I'll take it. Right, right, and then the manager's there going, what what comics are around? And here you go, fifteen minutes of stage time, just out of the blue, and then you and then you're hanging out with you're hanging out with other comics and. You know, it's like someone's working a room in Long Island, and it's like it's like, and then they ask you, it's like, if you want to, if you want to drive down, and I was the one with the car, right? Oh, so okay. like, so I was, so especially in New York City, because a lot of comics didn't have cars because you don't need a car in New York City. Sure. That it's like if they'll ask if if you'll drive, uh, you'll, you you could open for me or something like, that. okay, but you wouldn't have ever gotten asked those questions if you weren't fucking there. So like hanging out yep, on Twitter, you be available. Right. Hanging out on Twitter, on streams and being in people's discords and providing value without the, the, you know, trying to get a return for it. Like that's putting yourself in the position to get opportunities. And then when you do the content, uh, be to be, I obviously in the beginning, you're not going to be like this, but be so good that you cannot be ignored. Yep. So it's not, don't think in terms of, Oh, I I've, I've done a couple of shows. And then, cause I see so many people that are like, they'll, 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 uh, at reply on Twitter, check me out, check me out, check me out. It's like, it's like, no, actually the best way to do it is to never mention anyone whatsoever and have them find you organically, right? Cause you were just too good to be. Someone told them you have to check this out. Yeah. They were looking for content. You immediately came to the top of that content. Right. Be that person. Right. Which, you know, easier said than done too. True. But you have to be able to, you have to be willing, and this is another great comp for stand-up. Like, you've got to be willing to eat shit for a bit. <laughs> you aren't just going to create a YouTube channel and have people look at it. Your first couple streams, your first year probably, are probably going to be terrible. Now, it's different now than it was five years ago. Uh, you can get more equipment. Everything's, we, we see so much more content. So you can kind of pattern yourself a little bit more. You, There wasn't as much for me to watch when I started to do this, as there is now for people to watch to see what sort of like works and doesn't work. A lot of it was just trial and error. Like I didn't even know how to, I didn't know anything about any of it. I didn't know how to use OBS or any of the streaming software. I was just like, are we streaming? I hope we're streaming. It's just the zoom on zoom on zoom of just like my background and me. I had no idea what I was doing. There was no intros or anything like that. The content was garbage, but it got put out there every single day and it went from one, like you said, one to two to three to four. And some of it was pretty bad, but I'll go back and watch that first one every once in a while, just to remember like, well, there was a time where this really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to do in my first year, I did a, a soccer podcast. I did my own daily soccer DFS. Like okay. look how niche of a niche, but my, but my, my, yeah. it was a 20 minute show of me ranting about everything that went wrong on the slate <laughs> before. <laughs> right. But I mean, I was, I, but that's my personality. Bill Burr, Lewis Black, 
Just like cursing the word, this fucking guy, I want this guy. And and just coming up with such, because I'm doing improv, I'm doing comedy improv. You know, like the New York City angry comic type of thing. And inside of the soccer DFS, the the, the hundred people that play, like, they listen. I mean, this was this was entertaining because like there was no other content like it. And you know, and the and the podcast that I listened to was the RotoWire Soccer Podcast with Andrew Laird and Mike Gottlieb. And that's how I got learned about soccer DFS. So being in the in the in the position to get opportunities, like I did well and I was doing well at soccer DFS, and I was constantly interacting with people on Twitter. So when when Andrew at RotoWire that, that interaction is massive too. Just good interaction, not just calling people right. shitheads, right? Right. We, I mean, we've hired quite a few people that were just in our chats and in Slack and members for a bit, and they were great. They were helpful. They would do things that no one was asking them to do. They were very clearly smart when they were doing those sort of things. And it's just like, hey, we need somebody else to cover some shows and stuff. Are you interested? And now they're working for our site. It's great. Right. Those are the people that we're looking for. You don't have to be the guy that sends in the message like, what do I got to do to uh, get on one of those shows? I think I'd be great on the strategy show with you. I've won uh, two 5,000-person GPPs. It's like, man, I don't care about that at all. Right. <laughs> the, most, the most meaningless piece of this is however you think you are at DFS. Right, but I mean, but I, did this, me. but I did the same thing. Like in the Rotowire Discord, or the, it used to be Slack. Yeah. I was, to me, I was just a member of the community. So like when people would ask questions, I would be there. Same for the, like, like, I'm on Roto Grinders now and people may know me from Roto Grinders. It's like, dude, I was a Roto Grinders member and I was in the chat. I had the orange name, right? In the chat, I was <laughs> sure. Right. And and typically I was in there talking about the same things I talk about on this show, like the game theory aspects. And this is yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah. And people were talking about NBA or NFL or whatever in the in the Discord. I'm like, where else can I talk about this? So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna and then people started to come to me, even though I'm not an I'm not an analyst at Rotogram. I'm not. I'm just I'm just another subscriber like you are. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and, and I'm teaching people like this is what a projection means. This is what this means, whatever. And then eventually doing all of that in my own YouTube thing and podcast. And then Cal says says uh, you're very helpful in Discord, and we you know we need to, to would. You want you want to be? You know, I I got offers from another site that I didn't want to uh, take. Uh, I, I use that as leverage. That's exactly what I did. I, I, I was smart business wise. I got an offer from another bigger site that I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't find. I don't. I actually don't care for. Uh, and then I then I said. Then I basically said to Cal. I said I got an offer from this site, but I don't want to. I want. I want to be a roto grinders. And he said, okay, "You should have told me this a while ago. I would have. Uh, okay." And they. But R I P fan vice. Right. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't fan vice. Sure. <laughs> uh, but but. All, all that is is like just creating the content that you want to see. So you say with the the sports betting stuff, like yeah. there are people creating that type. I mean, I listen to, you know, podcasts and and videos. But there's just only so much of like, like there's to me in sports betting, good sports betting content isn't a daily because there's no way it's like no. To me, sports betting content is like you can make about forty hours worth of content. And that's how to, and then it's just a matter of waking up the next day and seeing where you could find all these opportunities and this is how you find them. And you can't do a stream about finding them because then they'll be gone. I mean, like, I mean, like if you find it, you're betting it immediately and hoping you beat the people that are watching your stream, I guess. But no, you're, you're totally right there. It is a significantly different experience where 
the sports betting i'm anxious to see what sports betting content looks like over the next six months 12 months two years where that actually ends up going once it's everywhere i mean we're still like i i don't have it i can't i can't bet on sports anywhere. i think it's gonna, i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be even worse than what it is now I wouldn't be surprised by that. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be like, like it's gonna be. Not, it's you know. It's gonna be. You can, we're gonna look at Vegas, Dave, and go. Remember <laughs> when there was some integrity in? in <laughs> oh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be insane. It's gonna be truly insane. And, I mean, well, I mean, just think about how much bigger of a market sports betting is than DFS. Like mm-hmm. the amount of people that are gonna come out of the woodwork as. Sports betting touts, especially now that it's significantly easier to put out content. God, people are going to get. But, but to me, the, the pro- another another problem with the sports betting content is that, like, I'm not a I'm not a to, DFS is different. So, so obviously, the or in the earlier days of DFS, many most of the sites made money from affiliate marketing. Yes. Right. So essentially you're sending people, Roto-Grinders had all the good free content because they got these amazing and everybody that signed deals. up at DraftKings and FanDuel and right. Fan Throwdown and Draft Day and, right. and all the other ones. But the thing is, is that the site, the draft DraftKings themselves, doesn't care who wins and loses. They're taking yeah. 15% of the pot no matter what. So they don't, for Roto-Grinders or whoever the content, affiliates... If it's good information, it doesn't negatively affect DraftKings. Right. They just want more people to play because it doesn't matter who wins and loses to them. In sports betting, that isn't that way. So I'm not a big... I, I, uh, to me, I think it's a very poor incentive to have a, to do affiliate mark. Like, to me, I find affiliate marketing to be... Uh, I mean, I and I've done affiliate marketing before. Sure. Uh I mean, because my my normal occupation is digital marketing, so like, okay. for other companies and stuff like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I understand how, it, how I understand how the game is played, uh, but to me, you you can't be on the same side as a someone that you're as the player. If I have a site that's like, here, I'm going to teach you how to sports bet, and my main way of making income is to send you to a sports book to lose money, like the incentive structure is is not geared towards towards yeah. that and then sports books are not going to want to affiliate with a with a site that's going to teach them truly how to sports bet yeah cuz then going to they but essentially what what that site is going to do is send the sports book customers that they're eventually going to limit yeah. So not, they're not going to make much money off of them anyway. Immediately too, it's right? Not almost immediately, it's it almost becomes a signal. Almost the sportsbook may actually want to be an affiliate with that type of site because they know it's like anyone that comes through this link, we limit immediately because we know that they're yep. too they're too good. So yeah. it's so to me, We're like already flagging you right out of the gate. Right, like, oh, so you came from him. Cool, we've limited eighty seven percent of everybody that's ever come here yeah. on that link. But here, but here's the problem in DFS to make money off of content we could still be in aligned with the people that were supposedly giving us money. Right. Yeah. And we're still in aligned with any partners. If you partner with yeah. like no house advantage or monkey knife fight or Yahoo or whoever, like as long as people are playing, they don't care who wins or loses. Yep. So you could provide, so everyone is aligned in the same way, 
But in sports betting, no one is aligned in the same way. So how does the content creator make money out other than direct? Like to me, if you're if you're affiliating, that means you're 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 a tout. And your mm-hmm. and your content is practically worthless. If you're not affiliating, that means the only way for you to make money is directly from consumers. Yeah. But we're talking about an addressable market that's probably very small. Yep. So like, so where does the content creator like had like? It seems like in DFS, like you you could make money from multiple revenue streams and still be credible. But in sports betting, it's it seems like it's impossible for that to happen. Yeah. It, well, yeah. The the credibility piece is going to go away in that in in that aspect. I, I don't think that you can and be credible in the sports betting space. I don't know. I, I don't know how you could. With DFS, though, I mean, uh, I can do a sponsored show for Prize Picks, and then I could do a sponsored show for No House Advantage, and then do one for Monkey Knife Fight, and do one for whoever insert whoever's going to show up and fall away in the future doesn't change anything for any of that stuff I'm, I'm still giving that exact same information if i'm doing that from a sports betting perspective it's not gonna be as good it's gonna look a little grimier for sure it has right. to because it's weird to me because i mean even on on like the roto grinders like pre-lock show for the yeah. showdown that i do it's sponsored by bet mgm mm-hmm. now there are things that that i do Number one, I never give I never give picks for bets or anything. So I mean, I, I don't do that normally because I, it's fucking pointless. Uh, sure, I und- there, the business side of me understands. Obviously, I'm not getting money directly from BetMGM, but Roto Grinders is. That if I'm going to mention a line, I'm going to mention a BetMGM line. So for DFS purposes, if we're like. Let's take a look at if Ben Skrawinex, you know, everyone's going to play some, because we're always looking for the cheap guys that could score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Well, he's minus 600 on Ben MGM to score. So that's beneficial for DFS purposes. But I'm not saying that you should bet on that at Ben MGM, but I'm also yeah. not mentioning that at FanDuel, he's minus 450. Right. Or at, 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 uh, at uh, wherever, at uh, William Hill, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's, he's uh, plus 800. Like, I'm not mentioning, like, if you want a line shop, go line shop, but in le- I- I'm not going to promote line shopping on a DFS show when it's no. being sponsored by a sports book. I'm going to mention their lines. So, like, yeah, to me, yeah. that, to me, that's that fine line of, like, I'm not, but if someone asks me in the chat, should I bet at, should I bet that guy at plus 650 on BetMGM? When I could look and see that FanDuel no. has a higher, I would say no. I would bet it at another line. So as long as no one asks me the question like that, yeah. I feel like they could. They, that's fine as a sponsorship. But you can't be in a situation where yeah. you're doing a sports betting show and have being sponsored by one sports book and then doing legitimate, credible content if that sports book doesn't have the best line on anything that you're talking about. Right, like. I mean, I, you can sort of sneak through if you actually do believe that there's value on that number. But ultimately, the outstanding message has to be, you should be betting this at the place that benefits you the most, no matter where that is, so long as you don't think that that particular bet is the one that's going to get you limited at that sports book. Right. I mean, that's a secondary bit. But from a from an sure. educational perspective, like if, if you're not going to promote line shopping, like then... Then what, that's number then, one. That's right number away. one. I mean, that there's nothing that, that, that 
But you know how many people don't? I mean, it's just, it's insane to me. Most, if I had to guess. Right. Uh, who do you, or, or you get the, or you get the people even, even work. Cause obviously some people that I know locally, whatever, they confuse DFS and gambling and sports betting. So it's like, who do My you like? I told it? everybody I was a bookie when I first started this. <laughs> I was like, mom, you don't even know what that means, do you? <laughs> but the last, it's a, but the last week, like, what team do you got? Like, I don't got any teams. I got, it's fantasy. I got whatever. Yeah. So uh, they go, uh, do, do you think, uh, do you think uh, minus six and a half on this is, 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 uh, uh, what, no, what the last. No, it should be that. Right. Maybe it should <laughs> be that. But no, but the thing is that they'll like, I'll get people that ask me, uh, like they, they do like soccer props or something like that. Like a certain might, like they're betting on soccer, typically anytime goal scoring. And I go, D- do you think so? this is a good price for this goal scorer? And I'll say, I'll say, yeah, but like, an hour before lock, like the whole, the, the, you see the team change and it's like, like, no, nah, I, I wouldn't bet on that. It's Not like, but I thought you thought, you, I thought you said, you thought Mosala is going to score. It's like, yeah, when he, when he was minus 120, but like it's the lines up to one minus 180 and now fucking Virgil van Dyke is in, in and right. their defense is going to suffer. So they're not, they're, they're, their totals coming. I mean, like. It's not the same as it was before. It's not the same but, as it was, I, right? It's not. I mean, it's you not. You still get that in DFS, and people don't even understand the concept or like the context of things changing. Like I'll, I'll get, I'll do my contenders videos and post those to YouTube by eight o'clock, nine o'clock, something in that neighborhood. In the morning. Yeah. And what's then, the purpose? Can you tell me what the purpose in NBA, dude? I do a show at eleven o'clock in the morning, and I tell people consistently in chat, I do not want to talk about today's slate because anything I say, literally by 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 six o'clock, yeah. may mean at late. Literally, you'd watch it and think that you were watching another universe, right? Yeah. So you do yeah. that video. Like, what's the really? What's the point of that video? You know what the point of that video is? Well, obviously, it's sponsored and you're making money, but <laughs> I'm I'm making the point for you that. People watch that video later in the day and don't realize that if something's oh, they'll, changed, they'll it's freak all freak out about it. <laughs> it's like I told you to check my Twitter. I'll post updates, and those updates become useless almost immediately. <laughs> right. The only way that they're not going to be, the only way that you're going to know exactly what's happening for me is if I happen to be on live before lock on that particular day from six o'clock to seven o'clock, where you know I am telling you my changes and how what that impact is. Otherwise. It's stale basically the moment that it goes out. But yeah, you know, it's out there for viewership. It's a commercial. It's a commercial for Osmo.com. That's right. that's what a that's what a video is on YouTube. For. Have you have you ever had have you ever had the thing where you do a contender's video and something big news changes that makes it so that one guy the one guy one guy that you mentioned is like nowhere near a play, yet they still yeah. get there. And then people oh, thank oh. you for it. <laughs> All the time. Even though the on time. the live, oh, even though on the pre-lock show, you're like, this guy is like a, an avoid at all costs now because this guy, Brendan Ingram is back and now you're not going to play Josh Hart or whatever. And then Josh Hart has his, has his, has his uh, monthly 18 rebound game for no apparent reason. And at that point in time, I'm just like, I, I told you he was a great play. <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I typically do like, it's, <laughs> I, I have to treat it like it's a joke at that point. No, but it's not a but, joke. So, I do think that that I do think the content serves the purpose of like giving someone a snapshot of what the top end of the slate looks like at that particular moment. Just don't hang on every word from a nine o'clock in the morning video. I mean, people will comment like so and so. Like it's like somebody will get ruled out at four o'clock, and somebody will write on the comment section like, "How is he number two? Guy got ruled out." It's like, did you even look and see when this got posted? <laughs> like, 
If I knew that he was going to be out eight hours from now, I would have happily taken him out of this discussion and done it differently. Unfortunately, I didn't have that information then. I'll hap- I'm going to update it in some form, whether that's our Discord or Twitter or I'm live on a show. You can get that extra updated information from me, but I can't just continually, I, like, I don't have the time to churn it out again. I'd like to, maybe I should put that video out again in the afternoon. Maybe that's a good, that's a new way for me to get a little bit more content. Yeah. Contenders morning series, contender as afternoon. That's not a bad idea. Right. Whatever gets me away from football content, I'm in. But you see, but, but with all these reactions to those types of things, I mean, this, this is what I point out to people that yeah. like, because the constant, the constant meme, it's constant. This this was a meme in 2015, in 2017, 2009. DFS is dead. It's been solved. <laughs> there's no more. There's no edge in DFS. And like, from doing content, I see like on a daily basis that there's still a and and it's a self selecting thing. Like I had to, I have to point out to people that uh, I tell them. I said, I said, 95 percent of people that I do shows in front of. Still don't get it. And I'm and these are the people that are actively seeking help. Yeah. And people, they don't they think they're trying to get it. Right. And they right. So imagine and remember, we're a very small section of all the people that play DFS in general. Yeah. So imagine all the people uh, I, I someone someone at uh, at DraftKings uh basically basically told me that uh if if they if they if there was a poll that and they polled all of their users and they said have you ever heard of roto grinders which no offense to awesomeo it's been around for 10 years yeah yeah, yeah. right every everything that, that's the biggest dfs cut most known whatever even though your youtube channel is doing way better than roto grinders uh if you ask the user base like what have you ever heard of roto grinders they tell you that they, that that their responses would be 90% of people would have literally never heard of the number one content site that's been around for 10 plus years. I said 10% in my head, so I'm really excited that right. you went with, like, right. like obviously. Obviously, they've never done that poll, but it's like, that's yeah. how much of a bubble that we're in. Yeah. But of course, we make up, this bubble makes up like 80% of the everyday players that play DFS. Yeah. It's just that that 20% that's left, it's not people playing every day. It's like this guy plays once in a while or whatever. But there's always a constant flux of that those players around. And they make that up there. Mo- most of the user base in general. So if they're not even seeking help. I mean, dude, I get head-to-head sometimes. People take a $109 head-to-head and I take a look and they have two guys that are, that are out for the day <laughs> in an NBA lineup. And I go... I mean, it doesn't happen every day or something, but I'm just like, like someone literally said, I, I'm going to go in and play a hundred dollar tent head against Blender HD. Who who knows? And this guy has like it, it, the person has doesn't even have a badge, and decide to play like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo on a day where they yeah. just literally got ruled out. And then you write their screen name down and think, but like, you know, you really you never see them again. I mean, like those yeah, are probably. the types of things you never yeah. see again. Unicorns. But don't but don't you find that odd to, to close things out? I mean, I think the overall theme is that like we're both we both love doing content. We both both love doing yes. nerdy shit. We both love teaching. Yeah, I enjoy. I I get satisfaction of someone that finally has that aha moment, gets it, sends me an email saying, "I've been playing DFS for five years, losing money, 
and now I finally get it, and I've I've won this GPP, and I like this is my I I I I I love that. It's the best but part of it. It's the right. It's the best part of it. But that's still only five percent of the like. Even then, ninety five percent of people like will just not ever get it. And it gives me, it kind of gives me the best, it, to me, it's the best of both worlds of like, I could still play and have an edge. I could yep. still teach people and give them an edge. Yep. I could make money in, in multiple revenue streams doing it like this. Like to me, like, like this, this I mean, this is my ongoing quest. Not 19 years of never having a, a real job, right? Never having a quote, real job. That's, that's always been my goal. Doesn't I don't need um, ten million dollars. I don't ever want to have one again. Right. That much I can tell you. Right. But that's but to me, that's the reason why why it could happen and why DFS is not is like there's is nowhere close to being dead. It's harder at the highest. It's hard obviously it's getting harder and harder. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a difference between getting harder and it's done. And clearly it's But some people but some I mean, people say it's done. Potentially harder than it was. Six years ago. Do you think, Josh, do you think the people that, that say that it's done, do you think the people that have, 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 have retired, if you want to put that term, uh, uh-huh. do, you, do, you, do you think that it's just due to the fact that, I mean, there, there are some people that were really good at back in 2013 that we don't see anymore, right? There were. Or there, or there are people back in 2013 that we still see that we haven't really, we haven't really seen make any money to, to, since 2013. Like, do you, do you feel like, like, because I don't hear I don't see I don't hear Alex saying that it's dead, and he's like the highest volume player that it is that that you could have. So if like it to were me, dead, I <laughs> and Alex was still the number one player after it's got to be what like three plus years now, easy four so more. I don't know. We'll call it four. If DFS were dead, and he was still keeping himself at the top of these rankings, how much money is he putting in to no avail? That would be insanity at this point. He would just do something else, right? Like it's no, no matter what we want to say about the Roto Grinders rankings and like the the nature of the top of that beast, if he were getting his clock cleaned, I think we'd know. Right. Well, we have the data. We, we we would know. Right. We do. No, I don't. I, let, let's put it even better. We do know. <laughs> right. right. We do. It's not. We would know. We actually do know. Yeah. Like it's it's he's clearly still doing something. That brings him back to continue to make money. Right. And I think that's, you know, there are a lot. It's not just him. We're obviously we're talking about Alex because I work at Osimo, but like there are multiple other examples of guys that are at the top of the Roto Grinders leaderboard where we can have the same discussion where it's just like, if it were dead, they would just stop and go on to the next thing. There's a reason that a lot of them, most, most people were coming out of poker into DFS. It was a natural transition for a bit. There's going to be a next thing that the edge is there and they'll beat it to it. They're just, that's just going to happen. I don't know what that's going to be. Are, it already NF- is something. Probably it's NFTs. It's, at this it's NF- right. It's, it's yeah. NFTs. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the new thing. And five years from now, we'll be doing NFT content. And no, no, that's just me. Do you, do you, how many, how many NFTs do you own? More than I should. Okay, so you're you're on the other side of the spectrum. I'm 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 an I'm a no coiner, no 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 giffer, no. Uh, I'm no, a no nothing. Yeah, I bought a picture of acorns for entirely too much money. <laughs> you know how stupid that sounds. <laughs> uh, not as stupid as when you tell your wife you did it. <laughs>
Because that one took a minute. You know, that you know what you know what I did today. I I moved another five hundred dollars mm-hmm. from my 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 taxable account to my IRA, and okay. you know what I did? I bought the S and P five hundred. Okay, um, so, so I'm doing something similar, but it's mm-hmm. just auto buys of multiple cryptocurrencies. See, see, yeah, right. See the see the thing thing with what I'm buying is that they're they're like I could visit, I could actually visit like the headquarters of like. Like Apple and 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 General Electric and like actual co- and you know what they could show me their balance sheet and it's like wow they're making money that re- gets returned to me in dividends it's kind of it's kind of a weird system that's set up like as the economy works I I get more money for what it is it's not like it's not a token I on do the some- same thing I'm staking my Ethereum I get money yeah. back for it that's great <laughs> for, for now and. You need for now is true. For now, for now is true. I like. The, I I am a believer, though. Like jokes aside, I am a believer in the cryptocurrency future, the NFT future. Did I dive in more aggressively than I probably should have over the past six months because it felt like a mild gold rush of lottery tickets? Absolutely. Did I spend money I don't have? No, not at all. Like I'm not. It's not changing. Everything could go tits up. Every single thing that I bought can go away. Every single piece of cryptocurrency could go away. It would affect my day-to-day life precisely zero, other than maybe a stern I told you so. Um, but it wouldn't change anything. I'm not I'm not putting in any money that I don't already have to use for disposable income. Right. So, you're, you're using that money on, on jamming soccer DFS contests. Uh, that, that has been <laughs> happening um, since the season started back up again. But I'm fine with that. Uh, That's, I don't have any, like, clearly I, the goal is to win whatever soccer contest that I'm going to get in though. That's, that is one where I'm just happy to be out. Like we've got a really good group of dudes that get together to watch all these Liverpool matches. So it's fun for me to be like checking it. I'm all pumped up and energetic. We're all watching this game together. So I have like a second thing that I could sweat at the same time. That's all I really need for it. It exists. I think that'll change in February, and I think that that's just going to be the thing that I pay attention to second most after the NBA. Well, you'll you'll never enter alone. <laughs> this is a good close. That's good. I like it. I like it a lot. So, Josh uh, Engelman on Twitter. Everyone, yes. should, everyone should already know. You're on a million awesomeo shows. Awesomeo.com. I am. Did we did, did we talk for almost three hours? Did we learn anything? Fun. Did we learn anything? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, I think. I think people understand that uh, they should go take a, a stats class. I think that's the takeaway from this bad boy. I think most people that listen already already know that. <sighs> that they should? Yeah, they probably do. Oh, or maybe they will they? Have. No. Most people, no, that. most people that listen to the show, they're going to look at the time code and go, "Oh my god, three hours!" And you know what I say to them? So that's why that's why podcasts have pause buttons and yeah, right. I used to I would do two and a half hours on an NBA strategy show with Lafi. Before we had 27 shows a day at Osimo, and it was just like we had one and there were no timeouts, we would start at 10 o'clock. We'd finish at 11 games late, like two and a half hours later. So doing three hours of something like this, this is old hat for me. <laughs> well, to spend it with Lofi. Oh, the worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. Uh, so yeah, I said it, Lofi. So uh, the process, your show on uh, the Osimo yes. YouTube channel, that's at 7 in the morning Eastern? 
6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. I have a show at 11 o'clock Eastern. You know when I wake up for it? 10.30. So like... Uh, <laughs> I get up at 5.15. That's why you go to sleep. Now, now I understand why you don't sweat the games because I'm a night yeah, person. Yeah, for me to get eight hours of real sleep, it's not... It's precisely impossible for me to do that. Right. To, to me, 11 o'clock person. in the morning is early. It's like, oh my God, I got to do the pregame show? Okay. Roll out I of bed. I would that. I would rather that. It's the rest of our schedule that dictated that I do that at 6.30. For me to fit in, like for me to do my contenders videos and do the strategy show, since, we, since we're backed up now with shows after that, we couldn't really move that around. So it was either that process show doesn't exist at all, or it has to go on at 6.30. Otherwise, I'm just, I would just probably get to my desk at 7 and do it without a video. But in order for me to turn that into a piece of content, I had to kick it in a little bit earlier. Trust me, I don't enjoy doing that at 630. <laughs> it's a, the, the people that watch and the people that show up, awesome. It's a, it's a really fun crew that gets there in the morning. But it's not, not a fun I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not listening. I'm not one. I'm not watching it. <laughs> the, the people that show up from California are the real crazy people. Yeah, four in the morning? Jeez. They're, they're, a lot of them are just like, still awake, going to bed after this. And it's right. like, okay. And the NBA and the NBA strategy shows at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. So yeah. see, see, look, it doesn't nothing, nothing interferes with my show then. Perfect. We're done and we're we're out at eleven on the dot. Right. And then you could turn to Ro the Roto Grinders YouTube channel. What's on at eleven at, at, at awesome about that that I'm telling people not to watch? Uh something NFL related. Right, so probably the ownership show or some some something like that. Today, today would have been the NFL first look show. Ownership would be tomorrow. Oh, that, that you could watch that. You could listen to that later on the. You could archive Absolutely. that right on the podcast. There's plenty here. plenty of time to listen to DFS shows while you're at your normal job, not actually doing your work. The, the same way that I got my current job by not doing the work at my actual job. Right, that's a that's a super true story. Right, that's the that's the best way to do it. Right. And then, and you do it as long as, as long as you don't get fired. And then once, yeah. then you, you know, you've made it when, when you've done it so much that you do get fired and you're making enough money at the other thing. It, it went so well that I took, I applied for Osimo from my desk at my job. I took my call and interview in an office at my job with Tom and Alex and Eddie. And then uh, two days later, I walked down out of that office and was just like, I quit. Sorry, right. I'm out. Which was incredibly satisfying and scary as hell. Now, I didn't know this could be a career. I really didn't. Yeah, but when you've done, when you've done, I mean, have you have you ever done entrepreneurial stuff before? Never. Okay, so that's why it's scary. Not even remotely close. Yeah. Uh, no. Me, I my my graduated college, got a job in banking, uh, right. left that job, went into a clinical research company, doing some statistical work for them, and that, that's the job I left. I hated that job more than I've ever hated anything in my life. <laughs> I was there for five years. Hated it. Hated. Hated it. Hated it. Thought it was going to kill me mentally. So, so did, have we learned that what people should do is quit their jobs and just play DFS? Yeah, of course. That's the easiest thing to do. It, it's a money. You just print money. Everybody knows that. Right. Everybody and buy, knows. And buy Shibu Inu or whatever that coin is. <laughs> oh God. Depending on the day, that's the right thing. I had a I had a guy tell me that at a birthday party like six months ago. You should buy Shibu the coin because of blah 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 reasoning. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. But it turns out if I would have just took a thousand dollars of my money and bought that stupid coin on that particular day, I'd be a millionaire today. 
That's the process. Who needs 80 hours a week when you can do that? Oh, God. If that's the process, I need to change the name of my show because I have the wrong process. <laughs> so, yeah, buy, buy Shiba Inu, buy whatever nonsense coins you can find right now. If you have the extra money, you should buy all of them and just not pay attention to it until somebody on Reddit makes it go up. Sounds that's like a very sol nowadays, solid, right? solid financial strategy. I think, it, I mean, that's the GameStop people got it done. Reddit can control the entire market. Right, TikTok, the TikTok investors, you got to listen to them. Exactly. The per exactly. The same people that are telling you to take a bath in Borax, listen to those people. Right. The crypto Nothing content, wrong. the crypto content is just there. as bad as the sports betting content. <laughs> it's probably like taking a, a digital bath in Borax. <laughs> Okay, uh, Josh Engelman, Josh Engelman on Twitter with the fictional level of respect. I, I like that title, so I'm going to... Uh, that's fine with me. I always take whatever. It's it's always just something that someone says, so I take whatever. So that's how it works. And uh, as always, you could pick up the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.